Alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala We're back in, uh, with uh, Nazmul Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah Salam wa rahmatullah Which I think Naz is uh, easier and cooler name uh, And Naz goes by a number of names like uh, Sheikh Hassan yeah, right, Sheikh Hassan being an actual name. Yeah, yeah, that's right. my official name. That Sheikh is your official name. Yeah, and then where did Naz 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 is a middle name. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, Sheikh is a great name. <laughs> right. All right. It's so, a fake Sheikh. <laughs> so uh, Naz has uh, come up with. Uh, actually, I really like Sheikh, but <laughs> I guess we start off with Naz, so we'll stick with that for the rest of the episode, at least. Now, Naz has come up with part two of the problem of evil. And in this, we discuss why the issue, the defense of free will is important, which we didn't discuss last time. Uh, for that, you have a, a clip, actually, a, a refutation of Sam Harris that you want to put up. Mm-hmm. You have, we have the concept of kesp, which is the translation, basically, of our intention and the actions that we yeah. see in the world mm-hmm. and that we take. So we have more. On, uh, we have examples of uh, Prophet Adam alayhisalam. Um, we have now. We then we discuss uh, creation, okay, and how the creation is good, the abundance of good in the creation, okay, and why this world as it is is uh, is good in itself, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Then you talk into you talk about mercy, analogy of the sun, analogy of an exam. The divine names and a concluding poem, which I'm going to assume that is from Said Nursi. Is that correct? Uh, it's a Turkish poem, but it's not from Said Nursi. Okay, I actually don't know who it's from. Okay, it's good. Found it online. <laughs> All right, so let's get to the first clip you sure. uh, you want to share with everyone that you're going to comment on. So it's Sam Harrison. Here it is. Speak tonight about the illusion of free will. <clears throat> now, now most people think we have a a subjective, a, st- a strong subjective experience of free will. And the problem is just that we can't map it on to physical reality. This, I think, is an illusion. I think, I, I think we actually do not feel as free as we think we do. This, this relies on us not paying very close attention to what it's like to be us. If you pay attention, you can see that you, you no more author the next thing you think than the next thing I say. Thoughts just emerge in consciousness. We are not authoring them. That would require that we think them before we think them. If you, if you can't control your next thought and you don't know what it's going to be until it arises, where is your freedom of will? The, the truth is we feel or presume an authorship over our actions over certain, and thoughts, over a certain channel of information in our conscious minds that is illusory. So, so how can we be free as conscious agents if everything that we consciously intend is caused by things we did not intend and of which we are entirely unaware? We can't. For, from the perspective of your conscious mind, you are actually no more responsible for your next thought <clears throat> than you are for your, your birth into this world. You have not built your mind. I see what he's doing. And in yeah. moments where you seem to build it, where you finally take the reins of your life and, and, you, and you, you decide to acquire knowledge or, or learn a new skill, 
the only tools at your disposal are those which you've inherited from moments past. No one picks their parents or the, or the society to which they were born. No one picks the moment in history in which they live. No one picks their genes or their, the environmental influences that determine the structure of their brain. You, you are no more responsible for the, the exact structure and state of your brain in this moment than you are for your height. What you, what you do based on conscious, predetermined decisions says more about you than anything else. Thoughts simply arise in the mind. But the, the idea that we as conscious beings are deeply responsible for the characters of our minds simply can't be mapped onto reality. And if we want to be guided by reality, rather than by the fantasy lives of our ancestors. There he goes. I think we have to revise our view. All right, take it away. <laughs> I, I, I have comments on what he's... I have my own comments on what he's saying. Yeah, let's get the live reaction. Okay, so my first reaction is that he looked at two things in which he is actually correct in. Mm -hmm. okay, there are two things, and the ulama have discussed this. And that is the question of who is responsible for thoughts. Yeah. All right? And we... And the automat tell us that, number one, we're not responsible for our thoughts. That's number one. Right. Uh, that come to us. And we know that the, we actually have, have a belief on the sources of thoughts. Mm -hmm. Right. That thoughts about uh, Iman come from Allah directly and they cannot be repelled. In other right. words, the thought that the feeling that Iman is true and al -haq, yeah. and thoughts to do good deeds, we know that come from Malaika. Mm -hmm. We know we're told that thoughts about um, bad deeds come from uh, Shayateen. Okay. And we know that uh, habitual bad deeds, those thoughts come from the nefs. And lastly, thoughts about uh, great doubts, they come from the bigger shayateen, Yeah. Right. The more veteran, they want, they want to sow doubts of Iman. So that's the one thing the ulama have discussed, the fact and the reality that we are not in, uh, um, we're not accountable for our thoughts for the simple right. reason that we don't think uh, mm -hmm. we have no control over them. So right. he is correct on that. He's he's making his main argument on that. Yeah. Uh, but the re easy refutation of that is that that's only some thoughts, right? Exactly. Pre there are premeditated, mm -hmm. thought out like uh, analysis and decisions. Okay. So that's one thing. <clears throat> second thing is that he did harp on a second thing which he was correct about, right? Which is that there are we're we're born and we're created into a world that's maktub mm -hmm. which is predestined for us so for example uh you know we're here on earth we 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 can make choices we can sin or do good but we can't sin and do good on mars right right, right. so we're we are limited in that respect mm -hmm. and again that's something that we totally accept as right. qadr, so that's those are two things right at the end he actually brought up the refutation to his own point right <laughs> Which is what tells us about ourselves yeah. is that within these things, within the thoughts that are out of our control mm -hmm. that come to us, and within the set in which we're created and the limitations that we're given, okay, uh, what premeditated decisions based on this information that we get, this limited this limitation, what are we going to decide to do? Right, right. And that is what. Yeah. Uh, Allah, uh, that that's what we that's what Allah is looking for in the creation. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, not in, say it like that, but that's that is what we're rewarded for or punished. Yeah. And when Allah says, "So that He may know, right, mm -hmm. which one of us do good and which one don't," yeah. meaning so that 
it manifests so that you know that uh, what you did, right? And it comes time for your reward and punishment. The evidence will be there, your own mm. self. So those are my thoughts like right off the bat. Yeah. And I think I'm surprised that he even brought that up because that's a direct refutation of his. Uh, and by the way, yeah. for people who don't know, Sam Harris's main thing, I guess these days, I don't know what else he was up to, but is the negation of free will. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he, he's a failed neuroscientist, so... Did he even do I anything mean, in neuroscience? Uh, not really. Uh, he got a PhD. Some people say he plagiarized mm. his PhD. But regardless of that, I mean, he makes his speeches sound epic, and but uh, he he's a master of rhetoric, so mm. he takes people away on you know whatever he wants them to believe. But if you look at his uh, ideas closely, I mean... As you said, he refuted himself. I he mean, refuted, it's, yeah. It's it's odd that a person who denies free will is trying to convince a crowd of uh, people that there's no free will. Yeah, you needed <laughs> to string together arguments right, and right, thoughts. Right, right, Like if I'm already <clears throat> determined not to believe you, yeah. then there's no point talking to me. Yeah. Right? Um, but but the other thing is like he presents a pretty bleak picture of uh, human existence, right? I mean, mm-hmm. uh, what you said towards the end uh, that we're supposed to, we're judged based on what we do with the circumstances we're in. Mm-hmm. Sam Harris says that what we do based on the circumstances we're in, that's also determined, right? So even our choices are just illusions, right? And mm-hmm. his argument <clears throat> builds off because, look, all this stuff is determined. Mm-hmm. Therefore, your free will is also determined. It's just an illusion, right? Um, and, you know, psychologists aren't going to help either because uh, there was this experiment done, uh, I think, in the 1980s. Um, when I first heard about this, it was... It was kind of um, it was kind of shocking, right? So uh, this guy called Leibitz, he found that um, before a person intended to move their arm, there was a signal that went off in the brain. Okay. So before the conscious intention, a signal went off in the brain. <clears throat> so ordinarily, what we would think what, is how, that time out. Yeah. How do they measure measure intention? Intention is like so. There's like a signal that says, uh, like the person is uh, aware of it, right? Okay. So, like, for example... So a certain part of the brain lights up yeah, when you yeah. make an intent. Yeah. And and they'll also ask the people, like, um, uh, when when did you... Like, at what point... Like, they'll sit, sit somebody down on the chair, and then they'll say, pick up this class, right? And then they'll measure the time when the person says, okay, I intend to pick up the glass, and then they pick up the glass, right? Okay, fine. So before they said it, before they said, I intend to pick up the glass... Uh, a signal goes off in their brain. Now, ordinarily, what we would think would happen is, I intend it, and then a signal goes off in the brain, and then I pick up the glass. Okay. Right? So, from this, what what the psychologists were saying is that these electrical signals in the brain do everything for you. Right? And uh, this idea that, oh, I was the one who did it, is just an afterthought. It's like an illusion. Okay, so... Right? Um, first of all, I have a very hard time <clears throat> accepting that uh, you know something metaphysical such as free will mm-hmm. to be cornered into observation. That's exactly right? that's exactly my um... yeah. So w- w- just for the audience that hasn't heard some of our uh, talks before, we only know anything by three sources: observation, mm-hmm. uh, logic, yeah. reason. And transmission, for example, language is solely from transmission. Yeah. Right. Uh, the the meaning of words is only from transmission. Religion is from transmission as well. Yeah. History is from transmission. Uh, journalism, you could say, is a very micro transmission, like yeah. um, transmission of two days 
uh, work from a journalist comes to us or, yeah. or whatever. Um, observation is obviously all the sciences. Reason, f- uh, under reason falls logic, mathematics, and then obviously in Islam, usul al-fiqh is a mm. branch of mantiq, right? So immediately when I, when I listen to anything, and this is a great practice for anyone listening, and it's also to teach youth, because I actually teach this in my youth class, yeah. uh, the best way to avoid confusion in the future is before you listen to anything, any argument, ask what is the source of certainty of this argument? Mm. So the first thing that Sam Harris began to say is, if you notice and you think about your thoughts, etc., et so that's immediately observation, mm-hmm. right? Now, yep. what are we talking about? Free will. Mm-hmm. Observation and free will almost, you know, observation is the lowest. It only gives you matter. It gives you material things. Free will is a completely uh, metaphysical subject. See, see, but that's what they mm-hmm. deny. That's what Sam Harris would say that yeah. free will is just an illusion created by the uh, the neurons firing in your brain. I mean, this is this is why there's so many academics that are in like a crisis mm-hmm. right now. I mean, there was this Atlantic uh, article, um, a pub- article published in the Atlantic that I read, um, and there was this professor. He was having a dilemma of whether to tell the public, mm-hmm. you know, that free will doesn't exist. Okay. You know, <laughs> so yeah. so th- uh, so here's this quote that I have. You know, let's hear it. Uh, it says here. Uh, Smolansky, a philosophy professor at the University of Haifa in Israel, has wrestled with this dilemma throughout his career Mm -hmm. and come to a painful conclusion. Mm -hmm. We cannot afford for people to internalize the truth about free will. Uh, Smolansky is convinced that free will does not exist in the traditional sense and that it would be very bad if most people realize so, this. But the, just the, this thing is eating itself because he's just telling you that <laughs> he came to a conclusion, right? First of all, why is this guy giving an interview to the Atlantic Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if he doesn't want people to know, yeah. right? But, I mean, they have, a, they have a reason to be scared about this because there have been experiments done. I mean, there's this one experiment uh, that was done at UPenn, I think 2002, that if people that, people that be- don't believe that they have free will they're more likely to cheat, more likely to lie, more likely to cut corners, uh, and just be immoral. And fall into habits. Exactly, exactly. Bring your mic closer a little bit. Yeah, okay. So, so I mean, they have, they have a very good reason to be afraid about this because a lack of belief in free will is, it's almost the destruction of civilization. Arnold Toynbee, mm-hmm. right, um, in his study of history, he said, he lists the belief in fatalism, like, you know, I, have, I can't do anything, I have no free will, he lists this as one of the signs of a declining uh, civilization. I so totally agree with him. And we're seeing that now in uh, that, yeah. that um, the number of excuses that mm-hmm. come up for stuff. Like, yeah. um, I, have a little, I have this syndrome, that syndrome, um, victim here, victim mm-hmm. there. Um, and not to say that there aren't really victims. We yeah, obviously yeah. know that there are true victims. Mm-hmm. But uh, the use of it is a problem to me. And, I th- yeah. I, and, and Jer- uh, Josh Gordon from mm. the uh, Patriots, he got really called out for this, right? Oh. Because he put out a message. He is a Patriot uh, wide receiver who was mm-hmm. picked up, and he's always had problems with uh, basically smoking marijuana, Yeah, right? Yeah. Which is like a hard... He's thrown a multi-million dollar career out for uh, like a high school habit, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that he couldn't control. So <clears throat> he, uh, he he put out a message and saying that I'm t- I need to step away f- for... I need to step away from mental health issues, right? Yeah. Well, like an hour, 45 minutes later, the PR of the, the team said that he's suspended for breaking his drug violation. Oh. So people really I called see. him out. They say, hey, listen, there are people with real 
mental issues. disorders, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. Now you're piggybacking <clears throat> your your high school addiction here, mm. right, on them. So mm. that's like an example. Now, I mean, <clears throat> I mean, it's it's um uh, what the example that you mentioned. I mean, this is I'm gonna get into this um, in a little bit mm-hmm. where there are some legitimate um, arguments. You know, like for example, Sam Harris said that uh, you're not responsible for the structure of your brain, right? Mm-hmm. So there are some legitimate arguments that make it seem as if, like the people that believe in free will are just people that believe in a sky fairy or something like that, right? Um, and we're gonna be talking about one of the most difficult subjects in relation to free will, which is addiction, mm-hmm. right? And um, but the but the thing is the the crucial point is, if we deny free will, mm-hmm. then I mean, look at look at the number of things that we're denying. First of all, theodicy comes to a dead end. Yeah. I mean, there's no theodicy if there's no free will. Yeah. Because remember in part one, we talked about how um, the purpose of evil is for God to guide human beings who are, whose wills are corrupted towards a life in heaven. That's correct. And that can't happen if that person is not willing anything. Mm-hmm. Right? Sure. If the person doesn't have free will, that means that... God's just making the person suffer and then making them believe in an illusion, mm-hmm. right? And I mean, there's there's no way you could defend that. I have uh, a couple of things here yeah. before before you you take it away from yeah. your um, from your write up. Yeah. Is that ultimately the the arbiter, the ultimate arbiter mm-hmm. in many things, and in this one in particular, yeah. is going to be the courts, right, right? Right. Like one of the things that what is the ultimate arbiter of Islamic law and history? Is it the books of the scholars? It, mm-hmm. uh, it is, but there is an arbiter that is even more clear than that, mm-hmm. and that is the Sharia courts, right? Mm-hmm. So Sharia court records is actually one of the best ways to uh, learn fiqh because they're dealing with actual cases with executive authority, and they're not merely theorizing. Right, right. right? So ultimately, uh, if we were to leave it up to, once this... An idea mm-hmm. has to, for in order for an idea to be effective mm-hmm. and real yeah. in the world, right? It needs to actually transfer to other yeah. spheres. Right, right, right. This idea will has already been used by lawyers all the mm-hmm. time. The yeah. insanity plea is a is a branch of this idea. Right, 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 exactly. And to how far can you push the insanity mm-hmm. plea? So we see that that has reached a limit already. So this actually idea has been tested in the real world. Mm-hmm. With the idea of the insanity plea. Yeah. Now, the judges in the world are going to know that if they rule for something beyond that, beyond the insanity plea, such as anything like this, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's the end of society. Because at that point, exactly. once you set that precedent, then all of us basically mm-hmm. get away with everything. It's so right? crucial. Yeah. It's so cru- like free will underpins <clears throat> civilization. Underpins civilization. I mean, Western civil, any type of civilization, right? I mean, if we don't believe that. We are. We have a self. Mm-hmm. Like we, we make decisions, and the the um, results of those decisions come back to us. Like then we don't. I mean, it's just it's there's chaos. No, there's nothing to celebrate. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's absolutely nothing to celebrate. There's there's nothing to the idea of of hard work mm-hmm. and the the joy of hard work yeah. and achieving a goal is out the window. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so let so take us away. Where should we look here on your write up? Okay, so Which, let's go down to contradicting Harris. So this is when um, I'm going to be presenting the opposite idea okay. uh, of Harris, which is something called libertarian free will, which is that that our free will is fundamental and there are no, nothing determining us. Okay. Right. And so these two positions sit at opposite extremes. Yeah. Now, um, 
before I go into that, the the point I wanted to make is again, without free will, there's no theodicy, mm-hmm. and we're not defending free will just by making these types of uh, cases like saying, oh, without free will, civilization is gonna, you know, maybe free will is an Ill- illusion, right? Maybe like the professor said, we have to believe in illusion, right, for the greater good. Yeah, I want to say that it's not an illusion. I want to say that we're misinterpreting the hard data. Yeah, there, right? besides uh, besides the coherence exactly. incoherence of that exactly. statement. Exactly. Yeah. So, so, um, so here let's uh, let's play cut two, okay. where Jordan Peterson is talking about how there's something outside of nature and nurture, like there's there's a, something called a self, right? So let's uh, let's take it away. Okay. You're a puppet of your culture. You're a marionette of your culture, and so maybe you could be more than that. And that's the other thing that's strange about this movie, and it's strange about the mythological way of looking at the world, because scientifically, deterministically, there's nature and there's culture, and you are the deterministic product of the interaction between nature and culture. There's nothing else to you than that. That's that. But the mythological world doesn't say that. It says something different. It says that there's nature and culture, and then there's you. And the you that's in there has choices and a destiny, and that you actually affect the interplay of nature and culture in determining your own character. And it insists upon that, the oldest stories we have. There's always the hero and the archetypal mother and the archetypal father. There's always those three things. There's never just two. So from the narrative perspective, there's always the implication that there's something autonomous about the the hero of the story. And you know you can't account for that. We don't have a good way of accounting that for that from a scientific perspective. I what happened? He stopped. Oh. That's that's all you wanted. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I okay. That's it. Okay. So, um, what are, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, immediate thought is again. I always look at it from a very simple. Uh, not it's simple, but this is the right way to look at anything. Yeah. Uh, assertions that are made need to be consistent. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says there's nature and culture. Okay. Mm. Then there's you. What does you do? It impacts nature nature and culture. culture. Exactly. What is culture? What's the definition of culture? So just to give people like a very, a very basic uh, approach to listening to any assertion and and seeing if there's any consistency is Mm. what are the definitions of everything, and then if what is to come has negated anything that it's based upon. Mm. So his just what is culture? Culture is nothing other than the accumulation of people's actions, right? right? Like um, recipes, mm-hmm. clothes, etc. right? Yeah. Uh, um, the w- languages, all that is based upon human action, right? Mm-hmm. So we're saying there's nature and culture, uh, then there's you, but there's always been you because culture is mm. an accumulation of, of previous yeah. use, yeah. right? Yeah. Like previous others. Mm-hmm. So in that respect, that's the one thing I took away from that, that culture is not some kind of, you can say nature is independent mm-hmm. of us, right? Yeah. But culture is something that is nothing other than free wills. Mm-hmm. I, I don't really get I mean, what he was I trying mean, to you say. Could, you what could, was he trying to say? So what he was trying to say, what the deterministic, the materialist, right? Yeah. That doesn't believe in anything other than the material world. What he would say is that, you're right, culture is a combination of views, mm-hmm. but those views are just illusions. They're just, they're like characters in a video game yeah. that just come together. They've been programmed by nature to behave a certain way. The determinists are saying this. Right, right. And, and, he, and his position is? And his position is that, so the determinist is saying there's nothing you can do outside of nature and culture. Mm-hmm. 
you the you that's you it's yeah. set we by call these that two the, the jabriya yeah exactly the old, old uh, islamic theology exactly. that group is called the jabriya jabr yeah. means force yep yep so and, and the qadriya is the yeah. opposite so exactly. he, he's more so he's a qadriya right yeah. because he's saying that this you is outside of uh culture and nature right just like you said yeah. this you impacts culture and nature right? i uh, that's what i agree with exactly yeah and uh, well I'm not sure if he's really a qadariya, but this idea that you are independent completely from any type of deterministic force, this is something that, uh, for example, a Catholic might tell you. Well, right? yeah, I and, I and I do like the idea. I really mm-hmm. like what he just said, uh, yeah. that point. Yeah. Because if you think about who are the people who've impacted mm-hmm. culture the most mm-hmm. are the people who are least connected to it. Mm-hmm. From the simple, this might not even be a free will discussion, but from the, f- the simple idea of attachment, when right. you're attached and you're stuck and you're institutionalized in a system, mm. right? You sometimes don't even you you your your view of that system is uh, less clear, right? Right, right. You exactly. you, you don't necess- you're too close to it yeah, to see yeah. it for what it is. Mm. Whereas if you notice who are the movers and shakers of society, are always on the outside mm. looking in. And if you notice that Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, Sayyidina Musa, this is this is amazing actually. Yeah. Prophet Ibrahim, mm. Prophet Musa alayhi salam, Prophet Isa alayhi salam, Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, no fathers. Uh, oh wow, I didn't. No I didn't father. That. What does a father do? He adjusts you to the world that he brought you into, right? Wow. Prophet Ibrahim's father had passed away. He was raised by his uncle. Okay, of course his uncle is not going to care as much as a father. Subhanallah. Prophet Musa alayhi salam, of course, we know he yeah. was taken into and not raised by his biological father. Prophet mm-hmm. Isa, he, we know he has no biological father. Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, we all know, and salam uh, salam uh, upon all the anbiya, uh, upon our prophet and all the anbiya. We know that Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam did not have, uh, his father was uh, passed away before his birth. Yeah. So isn't that amazing? Because these are the ulul azm min al-rasul. Ulul azm, these are the, uh, um, the great prophets they need to change society and oftentimes flip it upside down mm. on certain aspects of it, right? And in order to be able to do that and have that uh, a, a vision, they could not, right, be too instituted in the society mm. itself. So that's an amazing point, which wow. which is a shahid and a proof for what he's doing. Well, I, I never thought of the, uh, the, the idea that they didn't have any fathers. I didn't, yeah. Wow. That's an amazing Allah. thing. Um, and yeah. also think about great inventors. What do they do? They leave. Right, right. They go far yeah. away to completely clear their mind mm-hmm. of of anything. Then they come back and they're better off. Yep. Right. It's it's the oldest story in the book. I mean, as a, yeah. uh, as, as he's saying uh, in mythology, right? Mm-hmm. This is, I mean, if you look at um, uh, the Odyssey, right? Mm-hmm. He he goes out. So Odysseus goes out from his homeland to Troy. He fights the war there, mm-hmm. and then he's stranded for like twenty years, mm-hmm. and then. Uh, during the journey back home is when he has the most development, mm. right? And he becomes the hero, so to speak. Mm. He kills the legendary monsters, Cyclops, all that. So stuff. in his period lost, yeah, that's exactly. where his basically his memory is cleared almost yeah. of the past. His yeah. attachments are cut off, yeah. and then he can come back and do something. Yeah, great. he comes back, and then uh, what he does is he, t- you know, he um, he comes back and he takes revenge uh, against all of the uh, the people that were. Um, taking over his house and trying yeah. to marry his wife and all this other stuff, um, but I mean, it's it really is the oldest story in the book where the hero goes out from society and comes back and then comes back. Yeah, this is the mosaic story. Right, right. I mean, Prophet exactly. Musa, Prophet Isa, yeah. and Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Yeah, all of them, 
uh, had a period of removal, yeah. removing themselves mm. or being forced, uh, you know, moved. Yeah. Sayyidina Isa to the most, you know, uh, proportion of eras, epochs, yeah. right? Yeah. And he comes back. Prophet mm. uh, Muhammad sallam, you could say two, the going to the mountain one mm-hmm. and then going to Medina, Medina yeah. second one. Yeah. And Prophet Musa, that's known. He went yeah. to um, Midian and then came yeah. back. SubhanAllah. So what he's saying is that this you is fundamental to reality. Yeah. Not so. What Sam Harris is saying is that the laws of physics and material things is yeah. fundamental to reality. Yeah. Right. There's no such thing as a you. Mm-hmm. And surprise, surprise. Sam Harris believes that the self is an illusion. Mm. Right. Okay. Now, see, I don't understand why he does his job. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. like if you believe yourself is an illusion, like why do you get up in the morning? That's I true. I just don't understand yeah. that. Um, and <laughs> and how could you convince, you know, how could you convince others of it? Right. You made yourself a subject. You right, made exactly. yourself a mover and a shaker, yeah. right? I mean, <laughs> subhanAllah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so, but but here's the thing. The idea of, like, we have uh, uh, that the you is fundamental to, um, uh, to creation. Yeah. This idea can also go to the other extreme, to the qadariya, mm-hmm. that we're not determined by anything. Yeah. So, for example, a Catholic theologian would say, we're co-creators with God, yeah. right? So God has uh, some creative power. He created the world. And then human beings share in his creative power, so they co-create with God. Mm. So the evil is actually from, just like the Mu'tazila say, the yeah. evil is from the hands of uh, human beings. They yeah. create it, mm-hmm. but not in a metaphorical way like we discussed. Literally created. They literally create it. With their thoughts and actions. Exactly. Okay. So there's, not, there's no such thing as determinism. I mm-hmm. mean, only Protestants um, believe, like uh, Calvinists, right? Uh, they believe in determinism, yeah. but a lot of like uh, a lot of Christians, some Christians don't believe in determinism, right? That God doesn't know the future, all this other stuff. So this is similar to the Qadriya. Mm-hmm. So the question is, you know, we have these two extreme positions. One, you have no free will, and the other one is you. Ha- the only thing you have is free will, mm-hmm. right? Nothing's determined. Yeah. And like these quantum physicists, right? Mm-hmm. You think your reality into existence. Yeah. These self-help gurus too. Well, these they're at that point on the Qadariya side. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which which we do have some commonalities mm-hmm. with those. Yeah. And but so the question is, can we find some type of middle way? And I think this is what um, this is what Sunni Islam has. Right? Yeah. Um, that we are determined in some ways, mm-hmm. like you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, but our free will is not related to the stuff that we're determined with. It's Related to choices and decisions within those, within those exactly. Yeah, um, and that's that's what we're going to talk about next. Let's yeah. define free will. Okay, because we we've been talking about free will. We didn't um, we didn't give a definition yet. Okay, let's um, hear it. So uh, I'm going to give you a shock shake. Like, what do you what do you think? Um, how would you define free will? Free will mm-hmm. is a person's conscious decisions. Mm-hmm. Really, that's what you. That's the summary of it. Your conscious decisions. Your conscious decisions within a set that's given to you in life. What if, what if a person makes a conscious decision and there's a gun to their head? There is still that uh, you just narrowed his his choices. Okay. Right. Yeah. So gun to your head, um, steal someone's watch. Mm. I say, yeah, my life. Uh, I could repay his watch, but I can't repay mm. my life. Uh, gun to your head. Uh, go and uh, shoot that person. Yeah. Uh, say no, uh, I'm not allowed to do that. I'll, I'll get shot. Yeah. So you're you're just narrowing it down. Mm, you're still okay. making a decision. Actually, never thought of it like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, the the definition I have here um, 
is exactly what you said, mm-hmm. the, a person's conscious decisions. But there's an extra clause, which is without force, right? So just like the Jabariya say yeah. that God forces us to do what we do, yeah. right? Um, this important clause without force uh, gives us the definition of free will. So because, uh, yeah, so yeah. I would say the example of without force would be, for example, I get my car gets hit mm-hmm. and then I hit someone else's property. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. Yeah. That's completely without force. Mm-hmm. Whereas I'm driving and I have um, a cat to hit mm-hmm. and I have a mailbox yeah, to hit. Yeah, I'll yeah. choose the mailbox. Exactly. Right. Right. So I might still not be legal criminal. There's mm-hmm. no criminality there. Yeah. Yeah. So, but there is a choice though. Yeah. I did exactly, make a choice. Exactly. Yeah. So, so even uh, I mean, the point I'm trying to say is that no matter how you define free will, this there's still always decisions and choices being made. Yeah. In some sphere or mm-hmm. another, right? And the definition we're talking about here is that free will is the ability to choose between alternatives, mm-hmm. like make a decision about alternatives yeah. in front of you without being forced, mm-hmm. without somebody, for example, if I'm mind controlling you and I choose to like rip apart somebody's headphones, right? Mm-hmm. That's not you who did the action. Mm-hmm. It's I did it, even though your body did the action to the yeah. outside observer, yeah. right? So in that case, you're not, you don't have free will. Like a right? puppet doesn't have exactly, free will. Yeah. Exactly, like a puppet doesn't have free will. So this is, this is the key factor. Okay. And um, the, what Sam Harris is saying is that the laws of nature and everything around us force us to do what we do. Okay. Right? This is what the determinist is making the case. So the laws, of, yeah. so he's actually then a prophet of those said laws of nature because they chose him <laughs> to reveal their truth, right? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't that make sense? Like, the, right, right. So these so-called laws of nature, yeah. which are non-things, non-things exactly, but they do have knowledge and will, yeah, right, have basically chosen him to reveal their <laughs> secret. Right. It's funny, yeah. So um, the, the thing about the all of the uh, these uh, the evolutionists and people like him is that mm-hmm. they believe in these. Uh, non-material things. Yeah, yeah. But these things do not possess life. Exactly. They do not possess hearing, seeing, or the ability to communicate. Mm-hmm. However, they do possess knowledge, and they do possess will, mm, yeah. right, to act. So, I mean, that's it's in itself is an impossibility. You exactly. cannot possess knowledge and will except that you possess life, except that you mm-hmm. exist, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so, uh, that's an incoherence right there. But mm-hmm. continue on with your so. Um, the example I want to give of the type of free will that we have, mm-hmm. and I think this is common sense. Uh, the the common sense understanding of free will is not um, in danger because of what Harris said or what JP said, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Jordan Peterson. Yeah. Um, the common sense understanding is that okay, you have you have thoughts, you have desires, you have outside forces, but at the point of making the decision, it's you who has the power to choose between alternatives, right? For example, uh, I could, uh, if, if I find a $100 bill lying on your table, right, and I'm walking, out, <laughs> I'm walking out the house. Now, I know that taking it is wrong. Say I know, let's, for this purposes, say I know that taking the uh, $100 bill is wrong, um, but there's a desire within me to take the $100 bill. I'm going to buy a video game for myself. Yeah. Now, despite knowing and, and feeling bad about like if I took the bill, I would be stealing, right? Despite knowing that, if I took the bill, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody, and even yourself, you would say, okay, I could have not taken it, right? Yeah. 
Because you, you know it's uh, you shouldn't have taken it, right? Yeah. No one came and moved your hand. Exactly. Nobody came and moved your hand. There's a $100 bill lying on the table. I mean, you know it's bad to take it, but you took it anyway. Mm-hmm. Nobody was forcing you. So this is the type of common sense view of free will I think that most people believe in. That despite the, despite the thoughts, desires, whatever it is, when it actually comes to making a decision, mm-hmm. you have the power to choose whether to do it or to veto your desire, right? Mm-hmm. Your desire says take the bill, but you can choose to say, no, I won't do it. Well, I this, can veto this it. is the free will that is in a small claims court in Judge Judy's yeah, yeah, uh, courtroom. Yeah. Very basic free will things mm-hmm. that you did you for, uh, that she's making a call, judgment yeah, call exactly. just on that. Exactly. Yeah. And, and the thing is that this veto theory mm-hmm. is also proven by psychological studies. Remember how I said that they found that a signal goes off in your brain mm-hmm. before the idea to move your hand becomes conscious? Yeah, though. They also found, uh, the same dude, he also found that once the idea becomes conscious and the person's going to reach for the glass, at that moment they can say, I don't want to reach for it. There you go. So that whatever that yeah. uh, neuron that fired exactly. can be shut down. Right. Or rejected. Rejected, exactly. Yeah. So, so uh, this doesn't pose a problem for us in free will because we don't, Sam Harris is saying that free will means you get to choose your destiny, you get to choose your parents, you get to choose the thoughts that come in your head. I mean, nobody believes that this is the definition of free will. I agree with that. Right? Like, we don't need to no have... One, yeah, yeah. No one means that when they say that free, that's yeah. free will. What they mean is that I could have done otherwise. Yeah. In and, a and how does... and it, Which he admitted. Right. In the last part of his quote. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so this sort of common sense definition of free will, I think, is safe from any type of... Um, uh, and that's and, all that yeah. really matters. That's all that really matters. Yeah. But here's the crucial thing. Okay. This common sense type of free will, mm-hmm. if we look at addicts, it's as if that type of free will doesn't even exist. That's why addiction right? is a massive issue. Exactly. And, and this is where um, I think, uh, like in my opinion, whatever that's worth, that free will for most people is like a scale, mm-hmm. right? The prophets have the greatest amount of free will. Discipline, they, yeah. Uh, exactly. So all their desires, all their thoughts, all their actions are in complete alignment with what Allah SWT wants. Yeah. And then at the other point, you have um, a person who is just, uh, well, I won't say pure evil because a, a person that's pure evil also has free will. He just used it for the wrong thing. But at the, at the lowest end of the spectrum, we have somebody that's insane who doesn't even, like, have his free will. He doesn't have free will. Free will is... Uh, uh, predicated upon intellect. Exactly. Yeah. So, so somebody who's insane, he doesn't even, um, uh, you know, th- he he can't even make any choices, yeah. right? His hand might be trembling. He doesn't have the prerequisites. Yeah, j- exactly. Yeah. He doesn't have the prerequisites. And somewhere towards the bottom rung, you have the addict. Yeah. Right. And looking at the addict, and the reason I bring this up is because the addict is the the best example to show, like people that deny free will. They're gonna bring bring up addiction, yeah. right? Because it's and also trauma. People mm-hmm. that have suffered massive trauma, right? Because that's what happens when nature and nurture both goes wrong, yeah. like really wrong for the human being. Mm-hmm. And the argument is, look, these people, and I'm gonna talk about this later on. Their physical structure of the brain is completely different than a regular person. But my point, my my response always to that yeah. is, when they look at the brain of an addict and they say, okay, structure totally different. I want to know. Is that the cause or the effect? Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, yeah, you're thinking two steps ahead of me. As I mean, uh, that's obvious. Yeah. Uh, but 
yeah, yeah. So Alhamdulillah. <laughs> um, yes, exactly. So is yeah. that the cause? Or is, but remember, for the materialist, they don't believe in anything outside of material reality, right? Mm-hmm. So there's no such thing as a soul. There's no such mm-hmm. thing as uh, this ghost, so to speak, controlling the brain. Yeah. It's just the brain. The brain is who you are. But when they study that, we yeah. need a timeline of studies. Mm. So the brain looks like X. Yeah. But before addiction, what did it look like? Right, right. Right? Yeah. And after. So one snapshot does not mm-hmm. take uh, take it. Like, for example, can a, a guy who lifts mm-hmm. look at his body, right? Did his body get like that after lifting? Or is mm-hmm. he lifting because his body's like that? Right, right, right. right. His muscles are that big because he lifted. Exactly. And therefore lifting becomes easier mm-hmm. as opposed to he's lifting because his body's like exactly. that. Right. So likewise, the addict, the way I view it is that Free will is like um, a tree, mm. right? Or like uh, imagine like uh, uh, something erect, mm-hmm. right? And every time you stop beha- a behavior, yeah. that thing gets stronger. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like yep. a dog. Mm-hmm. Every time you feed it, it gets stronger. Mm-hmm. Uh, you then start to let, let it pass. Let it pass. That, your free will now becomes a flimsy thing like a, the spring. Yeah. Like the spring in a pen, if you keep playing with it, it's it going to get weak, right? Yeah. So that, so it's still there, but it's just become so weak. Exactly. And, and exactly. to strengthen that, to me, is one of the biggest mm-hmm. iman, yeah, yeah. iman things. Exactly. Right and, and the thing is that, um, uh, and you're exactly right. And what I'm going to do is now is I'm going to actually prove that with our data. Okay. Neuroscience, what, right? what, what page are we um, on? So, we have, so we're on nur- nature, nurture, and addiction. Okay. No free will in sight. Nature, okay. nurture, and addiction. All right, yeah. good. So the thing, so the the thing is that we now know from a lot of studies mm-hmm. that almost all addicts have been abused in, in childhood. Really, and their addictions that, that if somebody is abused in childhood or suffers some type of trauma, they're more predisposed to addiction because um, one of the definitions of addiction, and I think this is the most powerful definition right it covers every single case Mm -hmm. right is it's a coping mechanism for pain that's Mm. what it is it's it's a coping mechanism for some type of internal um some type of thing that's lacking inside right usually love and comfort right Mm. so uh, i mean love and comfort and i mean uh so gabber mate he's he's written this excellent book he's uh, um it's called in the realm of hungry ghosts i mean it's one of the greatest books that I've ever read. Mm. Uh, he he's an addiction specialist, and he worked in like the worst, um, uh, worst drug areas of Vancouver, wow. like for several decades. Okay. And he says in the book that he's never met a single addict that hasn't been abused while they were children, or abandoned, or sexually abused, or something like that. Mm. He hasn't met a single addict over like several decades of. of so that's the pattern that he exactly. found. Exactly. And what we know now is, for example, the brain, when, when the brain is the brain of a child, right? Yeah. The brain of a child, it's not fully developed yet. And what happens is as they grow older, the brain learns from the environment. Correct. It learns. So, for example, um, from the mother, it learns, okay, here's where I go to feel safe. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, from the father, it learns things like, okay, here's here's where I go to learn about authority, how to battle challenges. All well, here's what stuff. I don't do to get exactly. not get in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so, so the child's brain that's small, yeah. as it grows older, the brain becomes bigger and bigger, and it forms these 
connections and it learns, right? Mm -hmm. Now, the thing with the addict is that since they're so abused as a, as a child, their brain is also adapting. Mm. So, for example, they can't get love and comfort from their mother, so they get it from cocaine. Something else. Right? Okay. Because love and comfort, um, it, it releases things called endorphins in your brain that yeah. makes you feel, you know, like it feels like a warm hug. Uh -huh. Like you're, you're, you're at ease, right? Yeah. And the thing about addiction is that uh, when an addict is on their, you know, the, whatever they do, like injecting heroin or whatever, endorphins are released in the brain. Mm -hmm. So it's basically, it's just getting love and comfort from something else, right? Um, can I just say something, yeah, yeah, interject yeah. something? Mm -hmm. Your defi This definition, you're saying that this is the agreed upon, so far this is the best definition, right? This is the definition that Gabor Mate and this new group of addiction specialists uh, are defining it as. Okay, a yeah. coping mechanism yeah. for... Some, for some type of trauma. Some trauma. But yeah. then they narrowed that trauma down to be a, uh, a lack or a, lack a void. A void, exactly. In love and comfort. Exactly. Well, then, based on that, the remedy of a, uh, to addiction, then, is by addition rather than resistance. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. SubhanAllah. So, Subhanallah. so I mean... Because no, the resistance yeah, exactly. always makes it worse. Absolutely. Yeah. SubhanAllah. So, I mean, you, uh, you, I mean, you know more about this than I do. And the reason I'm talking about this um, topic is so we bring it up and you can give us your thoughts on yeah. it. Yeah. Um, uh, but in terms of... Uh, in terms of getting back to the physicality of the brain, mm -hmm. so and there's there's also another book by Mark Lewis who used to be a former addict. Mm -hmm. uh, he was actually a PhD student and he would steal meth from his <laughs> labs. Yeah. And then he got caught and sent to prison. Uh, <laughs> but he's recovered now. Um, he wrote this book called The Biology of Desire, mm -hmm. and in that book, I mean, there's detailed accounts of how the brain changes uh, with addiction, right? Okay. Um, uh, and how like it latches onto these. Uh, to these external things it could be anything it could be cocaine it could be power right mm -hmm. so that's why you see like a lot of addicts in politics mm. right hitler for example he was a huge drug addict he would sleep at like 4 a.m uh, he would get up like uh very very late in the day yeah he would always have to take showers because his body would tremble because of his addiction I mean, he was a he was a huge addict. I didn't know right? that. Yeah. So I mean, and you can see these types of personalities throughout mm -hmm. history, right? People that are addicted to power. I mean, Gabor mm -hmm. Mate says that, like these addicts, th it's not just the drugs, right? It could be anything else. It could be anything, and we hate the addict so much because he points out to us what we're addicted to, mm -hmm. and we don't want to think about it, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It's just that we happen to be addicted to something that get, gets us money. Well, then right? there could be a scale. Yep. Because everyone has a void in some respects, Absolutely, right? yeah. Um, and then the, the the hope is that there are certain institutions mm -hmm. that in mass fill yeah, these voids. Exactly. I once, once read something that was really the, um, impressive. And he said that uh, a child in their development is never going to be perfect, right? Mm -hmm. He said the institution of marriage actually fills is meant for both each you know, person in the in the relationship mm -hmm. each spouse to fill a void that the other had yeah yeah like that's one of the wisdoms behind marriage mm -hmm. so for example if someone uh, someone had a void of um uh company mm -hmm. only child for example mm -hmm. there's a void of company right so you, mm -hmm. you so their spouse then if their spouse you know number one they give them company 
Mm. or they didn't have that problem, right? They came from a different background. Mm. They fill in that void that's mi- that that his uh, being an only child has caused him to have. Yeah. So the all the various characteristic traits that he developed as an only child, like they tend to be selfish. Yeah, they tend yeah. to not know how to deal with people. Mm-hmm. They tend to be a little bit awkward socially, yeah. right? But then immediately upon, like if they don't have friends, let's say, yeah. immediately upon marriage, a lot of that will be cured. A lot mm-hmm. of that will be softened, right? Mm-hmm. That's like a minor example. Yeah. But if the institution of marriage, and then obviously the institution of uh, uh, of religion mm-hmm. fill, is a massive filler yeah. of voids too. Exactly. So, yeah. Mm. So as, as you mentioned, there is a scale, mm-hmm. and addiction is towards the end of the scale, mm-hmm. right? Everybody does have certain types of voids, yeah. uh, but it becomes an addiction when it's so obsessive yeah. that they would choose that, they would choose whatever they're addicted to over life, right? Uh, so that's the point where they, now, yeah, so that's I mean, the point where they classify it as what? As an addiction, where like oh, okay. where, where the person... Over uh, life. So over over life. I mean, there's an amazing quote in his book. Uh, so says, that needs to be really bad then. I mean, it's, it's pretty bad. The, the, he says, for example... These people are not afraid of dying. Mm-hmm. They're afraid of living, right? Mm. Because what an addiction is trying to do is you have all of this pain in your consciousness. Mm. And then the, the way to quickly change your mood is with mm. a boost of dopamine. Okay. So you, you, hit up, you hit up and then you feel this um, artificial high. And you forget about your problems, right? Uh, one of the addicts, he says that when, when, I'm, uh, when I'm injecting heroin, I feel like I'm having a religious experience, mm-hmm. right? And then as soon as it's gone, I'm back into the real world. Where they get worse. It, it, yeah, exactly. And yeah. so you're, we're not talking here about addiction to like cigarettes and things like that. I mean, even those those people, what triggers that addiction is the stress again, right? The yeah, stress. so it's a, it's a lot more minor though. It's, it's a lot more minor, exactly. Yeah. So, but, the th- but the thing is that addiction becomes a problem when like this, this, you know, this uh, extreme type of addiction, mm-hmm. it becomes a problem when a person would choose something that's clearly beneficial for them, when a person will leave that yeah. for the addiction, mm. right? And that's what we see with these people on the streets, mm. that like, even if you tell them, I'll give you a million dollars, right? I'll give you an amazing house. They'll be free from their addiction for like two, three days, yeah. and then they'll go back. And they'll lose all of it. I mean, this is this is the type of power that addiction has on people. And this is why we bring up the question. I mean, where where is the free will yeah. that these people have? Where is it? And yeah. it, this seems to be like um, this so, seems to be like a argument against free will. So the decimation of something does not necessitate its absence, right? Uh, you decimated your free will mm-hmm. uh, on that one subject. Yeah. But you, wait, wait a second. You didn't talk about the free will to go rob someone to go buy the heroin. But that it, was done by free but, will too. But is it free will? Of course, it's free will. See, here's the thing: if it's the, a choice he made. If who ex- moved his limbs? Uh, what if I said that a routine in the brain is what moved his limbs? Well, there's no evidence for that. I mean, we can we can give like if that's the case, then you can create that routine in someone else and move their limbs. That's exactly what a drug does. Like a, a drug, a person. So so the drug, the drug creates almost like a physical need. For the drug, and and okay. the person cannot return to normal if okay. they don't get it. Okay, let me put it in a more yeah. blatant, a more explicit way. There is an old lady walking across the street. Yeah, and there is uh, a big dude, um, maybe with a gun. Yeah. Okay, I need to rob one of them to get my heroin. <laughs> That's a choice. Okay. It's free will, right? right? 
you're still you're still within the set of you still made that decision mm-hmm. right so just because i'm going to rob someone i got to get my drugs so we blame that on the on the mm-hmm. drugs right yeah, yeah okay now which person are you going to rob i i said forget that guy i'm going to go rob that poor old lady i'm going to steal her car then sell it okay are you going to now you have another choice push mm-hmm. the lady right or just trick her by saying yeah. ma'am look over there <laughs> boom took her car right <laughs> so i mean you're still narrowing it down once the more you narrow it down mm-hmm. you do realize that no one's moving your hands and arms and the reason i i'm going down this route is because as you know uh in our dean and in sharia the the weight that we give free will is so great exactly right and that is that's something that frees humanity from all these chains mm-hmm. which is like the easy way out yeah and the if you ask about where's the free will well, all the people who fought addiction are the proof uh, you <laughs> you're thinking two steps ahead subhanallah exactly so yeah. the thing is that these people Gabor Mate and Mark Lewis they wouldn't be writing their books for addicts if I mean Mark Lewis was a former addict yeah so how did he get cured yeah well here's one of the greatest discoveries I think of the 20th century mm-hmm. I mean Muslims um, that practice the soul knew this before that the brain is plastic mm-hmm. meaning the brain can change yeah so a, a uh, disabled brain, a defunct brain, a, a sort of damaged brain, mm. it can repair itself. I mean, so, obviously, we believe that it's not repairing itself. Yeah. It's, it's just that the soul is repairing it, yeah. right? But what we've observed is that when um, addicts remove their habits, yeah. right, the connections in their brains that's linked to their addiction gets weaker and weaker and weaker, huh. right? And then their brain builds and fixes fixes itself. SubhanAllah. So... So, I mean, this is a very crucial point for us to talk about because remember I said that we don't believe in free will just because Revelation says it and because society says it. I mean, the data itself is showing that our brains can change. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, why should we believe in this type of hopeless determinism that Sam Harris is talking about? Yeah. When the data is showing us that addicts' brains change. I, I right? like to look at uh, anecdotal evidence too. Yeah, exactly. All of the CEOs... Mm-hmm. All of these guys, yeah, they are huge mind over matter guys. They're yeah. people, yeah. right? I mean, um, I remember one guy, uh, Canadian guy, was a, just a poor guy, really mesquine dude. His dad was always mean to him, mm-hmm. really mean to him, and he was just so down about his life and everything. He was living some miserable job. Finally, he had a boss, and this mm-hmm. boss sort of picked him up. He said, "Listen." Uh, you're always late, you're always whining, you always have an excuse, you're never smiling, right? Mm. And he said to him, you're a handsome, and you're a strong and handsome guy, right? Start lifting, you know, start uh, whatever that expression is, pulling your weight. Yeah. So he said that that phrase that the guy said, you're a strong and handsome guy, mm. right? He said that's the first time a male authority figure ever praised him. Because oh. his dad never praised him. Right? His dad raised him like that, such a distant emotionally, never mm. said anything good. Mm. And this guy tells a story about how many times he tried to please his dad. Mm. Right. And what we're getting at is that the boss said to him, listen, I want you to repeat that phrase to yourself. Right. All, over and over. I'm a strong and handsome guy and I'm going to start pulling my weight. So this guy, he later on in, in his field became a very successful, became a millionaire. And he said that the day that that happened, that that word was uttered to him and that on the drive home, he began uttering it to the point that he began shouting it. Right. 
he on that day is he he is he says like that's my new birthday that was my new uh-huh. birthday because on that day i was born right mm-hmm. i was like something inside of me was revived and from that day onward he was just uphill from mm-hmm. there so it's all that's all this mind over matter stuff is yeah. your the anecdotal evidence mm-hmm. indicates to us yeah that it begins with a belief like you said the soul repairs the brain exactly it begins with a belief and the soul actually can that belief can repair the body it can strengthen the body Mm -hmm. right if you have hope you have energy you notice about this and i remember subhanallah one game that i played when i was young it was a roller hockey tournament i'm gonna we're gonna get back to your thing but you gotta say it was a it was a hockey tournament and we were playing the top uh team in the league we were arch rivals we hated each other right we hated each other and we went in we were 50 50 but the only reason that they were slightly favored is because we were playing on their yeah. on their ice. So we uh, got in there and we really knew that that we had to play our 110%. Both teams had to play 110% to win the game. Uh, we got in there and then it just really quickly the game started to go downhill, right? Mm. And it was just we couldn't even catch catch our breath and get uh, um, back to eat level ground. We were just playing catch up the whole game. And I remember it was not even the beginning of the third period. And I just couldn't move. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't move. I was depressed. I could not believe this is happening. This is the the game that we've been two weeks preparing for, waiting for, right? And you know when you have that, it's like the biggest thing in your life at that point. And you're losing and you just can't, uh, cannot believe this is happening. I can't mm-hmm. believe this is happening. I literally, I couldn't breathe. I'm like exhausted. The coach is like, come on, we need you. And then... uh. We got a fluke, right? We got mm. a fluke goal. Wow. A, a fluke went in, right? A, a, one of our players, out of sheer frustration, right? Sheer frustration. Uh, he needs to change. He's supposed to dump it past the red line yeah. and then change, right? Yeah. He gets to the red line, and he had no discipline. He even shot it before the red line. He was so angry. He blasted it so hard that it totally took the other goalie off guard. He, shot, he scored from half ice, right? Allah. And I'm telling you, I jumped like <laughs> r- six feet into the in, into the ice. Played the rest of the game pretty much. Took two breaks after that, but then I was like, "There's no exhaustion. All the exhaustion was gone." So what happens with belief, hope affects not only this the brain, the body, right? Hope affects so many things. Uh-huh. So now what you said is that the soul repairs the brain is mm-hmm. so true. And if I want to just add one more thing in here, if you want to narrow it down to one thing, that is. Uh, belief in Qadr, mm. in Allah as Al Qadr, mm. right? Allah's attribute of Al Qadr, and I said this on Dr. Arshad's podcast, mm. is, uh, is Allah Al Qadr. Once you believe that the solution to your addiction is no harder for Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, it is easier for Allah to cure a person's and change a person's lot in life mm. than it is for you to move a paperclip. That you must believe that. If you don't believe that. It's not gonna happen. Firstly, you're not even a, uh, <laughs> you know, right? I mean, you right. have to believe that, right, but you right. cannot believe it academically. Mm. You have to truly look yourself in the eye and ask yourself, "Do I believe that? Yes or no?" Mm. The answer is yes. Then all I have to do is ask Allah sincerely, right? And that's the root of what you said: the soul cure in the brain, mm-hmm. and it begins with that. Yeah. All right, keep going. Subhanallah. I mean, everything that you've just said, that story. I mean, this is actually a proof for the soul. Yeah. Because look, if if 
let's say the brain so in an addict the decision center yeah. of uh, of the brain is broken like mm-hmm. it's literally broken so it's like it's like um uh the frontal lobe yeah the less blood is flowing through it its structures different um it's like saying a car has a broken engine you can't drive it right yeah so when an addict is cured and you say oh it's just because of the biology that's all yeah. right it's like saying that a broken car with a broken engine mm-hmm. somehow cured the engine yeah it only it's not possible. Exactly. Oh, there must be an exactly uh, something else inside yeah, the human absolutely. being absolutely if the if the brain if they're going to attribute the curing of an addict to mm-hmm. his brain then they could do it surgically they right. could do it with medicine right why didn't they yet? we have no solution medical solution for addiction yeah. none then we we only have things that contain it that mm-hmm. trick the brain into containing it yeah. but nothing to solve it that's Every, amazing that mean, that what which negates completely the absolutely. notion that the brain cures that yeah, the brain yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean I- even in theory it's it's very difficult to even think up of a of a chemical to um what do you call uh, cure addiction mm-hmm. because 50% of the addict's problems is perception mm. right it's their belief as you said yeah. and we know now from habit science right mm-hmm. there there're great books on this and I wish I read more of them but we now know from habit science that the people that successfully overcome bad habits are people that believe they can do it subhanallah so i mean subhanallah i mean i mean it's easier said than done obviously yeah. right uh, but this is this is a point to prove the existence of the soul there's a be- there's a beautiful man named sheikh habib uh, named habib omar hamid mm-hmm. he from from jeddah and he said yeah. that i talked to him once about addiction he said it occurs it exists because Allah Ta'ala is teaching the abd sabr. Mm. And when the lesson's over, the addiction will be over. SubhanAllah. Right? And this is for like... <laughs> i got to write this down. This, this was uh, referencing, you know, minor little sins here and there that people, you know, are stuck with. And Imam Ghazali speaks about this, right? Imam Ghazali speaks about the four types of sins. Uh, one of them is the one that you discover is mm-hmm. a sin and you stop it right away. Yeah. The other is you discover is a sin and then it, with some effort, with a strong effort, you stop it, like six month effort or something. Yeah. The other is so subtle that you read about it, you don't see it in yourself mm-hmm. until years later. Mm-hmm. Then, as soon as you see it, you uh, change it. Yeah. And then those are like the internal things, like showing off or something, yeah. right? Uh, and then the fourth one is the one that you know you discover is a sin, you recognize it in you, but you can't get rid of it. Mm. And Imam Ghazali says the wisdom of that sin is to humble the mu'min mm. to make him remember to get him on his knees oh, so that if he was to become suddenly all pious perfect right he might get ujub, he might get arrogance right right like iblis did yeah. but it but by him being stuck in something is one of the means by which allah ta'ala is bringing him down mm. uh, back down to earth to make him humble to make him pi- penitent to make him sympathetic with sinners mm. right to make him understanding to give him sabr so habib Amr hamid said one of the wisdoms spiritually is that Allah Ta'ala is making a person have sabr mm-hmm. and realize that the great value of true piety is that when you are actually doing this deen properly, how valuable it is. Don't mess it up. Don't don't uh, jeopardize it in any, any way because you saw how long it took you to get it. Oh. So be conservative, right? Mm-hmm. Because you don't want to lose this thing that took you 20 years to get. Yeah. yeah. Without that, exactly. you would have lost it easily. Right. Easy come, easy go. Oh, I mastered this religion in two weeks, right? So, right, see, that's why I brought up this topic because because yeah. of what you just said. So, but uh, the question I have for that yeah. is, um, 
is the addict still, you know, um, legally obliged to do everything they can to get rid of their addiction? Is that he's obligated on them? The addict is 100%. Uh, he should know two things. He is 100%. The law is the law. He is 100% by, uh, obligated. Mm-hmm. At the same time, he should know that Allah Ta'ala is merciful and that there is a hadith specific for the addict. The Prophet Sallallahu mm-hmm. Alaihi Wasallam right. says, first of all, which means the one penitent for sin is as if he has no sin. And the sight of Allah says if you have no sin. Right. He said, and if a person sins and then repeats it and makes tawbah, mm-hmm. then repeats that sin, and then makes tawbah, then repeats that sin, and then re- this recurs 70 times in a day. But he finishes every time with a sincere right. tawbah, but he keeps falling into it. Then Allah will forgive him, it's as if he had no sins. So the addict, his job, he has one job, mm-hmm. is every time he falls into something, he erases it right away with, with a tawbah, yeah. sincere tawbah and sincere effort. Mm-hmm. Even in the back of the, his mind, he knows he's weak, doesn't matter. You make tawbah, you wash it away. and uh, is the cardinal sin of the addict is to give up hope. That is the only cardinal sin in the whole path to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mm. is giving up hope. If a person gives up hope, yeah. it is as if he's chopped his legs off. Mm, right? Exactly. He's not going to, you're not getting any, it's as if your soul now has no legs. Right. This yeah. is extremely dangerous to give up hope. Mm-hmm. That's why hope is the biggest thing. Right. Mm. And we, we just said like belief and hope, mm-hmm. right, is the biggest thing. And anything in society that is bringing down people's hope and belief yeah. is a detriment to society. Exactly. And that's why Toynbee says that fatalism is a symptom of a dying society. Yeah. So yeah. Um, that makes perfect sense. And the, the thing I want to follow up with that is um, that if the addict can change himself, this is a proof that human beings have free will. Mm-hmm. I mean, this d- it doesn't matter how we're determined. The addict is determined in the worst possible way. Mm-hmm. Right? Everything that's supposed to happen to a child doesn't happen to him, mm. right? He's brought up in the worst possible way, right? Yet, mm. yet this person is able to overcame change himself, that. overcame himself. Yeah. So that itself is a proof, I think, a, a biological proof. Forget yeah. about you know a theology and and um, philosophy. It's a it's a just a evidence based proof of what yeah. we see in front of us, yeah. right? We see that addicts recover, mm-hmm. right? And like you said, we see that hope. Uh, changes people, right? Yeah. So this is a this is a direct evidence of um, of free will, and uh, let's see what I have here. Hmm. Yeah, and so if you're still not convinced about that, hmm. right? If people are still not convinced about free will, a little, uh, you might be asking, well, you know, okay, I I get free will is that, right? But maybe human free will is just it's just um, it's like animals, you know, animals have a desire. Mm-hmm. Right, and then they uh, they do a cost benefit analysis to fulfill that desire, the best way to fulfill that desire. Mm-hmm. Right, so you might be saying, well, human free will is the same thing, right? There's nothing special about it, Kay. right? That we have desires. So let's say addict has a desire to get get cured, and then he just does the cost benefit analysis and he cures himself. Okay. It's that simple, according to these people. Or let's say you have a desire to um, uh, obtain. Uh, an engineering degree or an arts degree but then what you want is money right so you do a cost benefit analysis you just take the engineering job right yeah. so it's our free will according to these people is just like a scale right yeah just like animals right but it's not like animals because there's something very special about human free will and again this goes back to the soul mm-hmm. which is introspection 
Mm -hmm. right? What we call second order desires. Desires about our desires. Mm. Or questioning our own desires. Mm. If a lion gets hungry, it can't say, man, I hate that I'm hungry. <laughs> right? <laughs> and then, you know, let me fast for two, three days. Mm -hmm. A lion doesn't do that. It gets hungry. Whatever is fun of it, if it's okay to, you know, if it makes the cost-benefit analysis, I can get away with eating this, yeah. it'll eat it. It doesn't it'll, matter. It'll eat a baby while yeah. it's nursing. If exactly. It yeah. There's no morality involved. This, It has a desire, pops up in mm -hmm. its... Um, in its uh, mind, uh, in its brain, and then its body moves to complete that desire. 100%. It's making choices, right? Just like human beings, it's making choices like a predator. Yeah. But it's still just driven by some desire inside inside their heart, uh, not their heart, their yeah. brain, right? But a human being is very different, right? Mm. Human being, when they have a desire, they can ask themselves a question. They can say, "I like this desire." Mm -hmm. And then let me go do it. Mm -hmm. Or they can say, I don't like this desire inside of me. Hmm. So they can have a desire about their desire. So let me give you an example. Uh, a person, uh, let's say he really doesn't like somebody. He doesn't know why he doesn't like somebody, right? Let's say at his workplace. So whenever he sees this person, he just he just doesn't like the way he looks. He has a very punchable face. And, you know, <laughs> he's like, I just want to punch this guy, right? Yeah. And if, if I could get away with it, I would, I would punch this guy. Yeah. Now, most people, what do they do? They, they don't really do introspection. They just say, yeah, whatever. Right? I just don't like the guy. Right? Mm. You know, people say that. I just don't like the guy. Yeah. Right? Now, some people that are introspective, they can say, they can look at this desire and say, bro, why, why what's do you the have... Cause, yeah. yeah, what's the cause of this? Like, why are you... And then they see that there's no cause of this. It's just mm -hmm. like, okay, I just don't like, I just don't like the way he looks. Yeah. Right? And then you can say, you know what? I don't like this desire in me. Yeah. I really don't like this desire. Yeah, that feeling. Yeah, that feeling. So whenever you see the guy and you get this desire, you're just like, I don't like this desire. You so you ignore it. it. Yeah. Right? You fix it or you ignore it or you, you try to do something. find something good. Find something good. Exactly. Yeah. This is something that animals cannot do. Mm -hmm. Right? And this is the basis of moral responsibility. Yeah. Right? If, if a person, like let's say somebody put a gun to your head mm -hmm. and says, kill this baby. Mm -hmm. Right? And the person, you know what, let, let me pick a less extreme example. Mm. Somebody puts a gun to your head and says, rob the bank. Okay. Right? And you go and rob the bank. Right? And then you're brought before the court. And then uh, the judge says, well, like, why did you rob the bank? And then you say, um, oh, this person put a gun to my head. Yeah. Right? And then, but this is not enough to, uh, what do you call, put him in jail, right? But what if he says, I robbed the bank and I really enjoyed doing it? Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed robbing the bank. Yeah, he put a gun to my head, but man, I wanted to rob the bank. Now you're guilty. Uh, yeah, exactly. I, I played Grand Theft Auto so many times, yeah. and the the people listening will get the reference, <laughs> right? Oh, it's like a simulator to, um, like you're a person and you could do whatever you want in the city. Yeah, uh, you could simulate robbing a bank and you could shoot innocent people. I don't know why people play these types of games, honestly. Yeah. But anyway, so if that person says that to the public, yeah. that you know what, I wanted to rob a bank my whole life. Now I got the chance. I got an excuse to do it. Yeah. Would we still say he's innocent? Like, would we no, say that he's guilty? He's guilty. He enjoyed it. He enjoyed it. Yeah. Exactly. So the, his second order desire, yeah. his introspection said that I liked this act. Hmm. But if this same person said, I hated every second of it and I only did it to save my life. Mm -hmm. Okay. We might call him a coward, whatever. Right. Yeah. But we wouldn't say that 
you're guilty of something terribly wrong. That's correct. Yeah. Right? Because why? He had an introspective thought about this thing that he's doing. Yeah. It might have. So in this case, an action begins mm-hmm. with one state. Yeah. And ends in another state. Mm. Right. Yeah. It begins with the state of dislike. Yeah. It becomes something that he likes. Exactly. Right. So his yeah. second order desire. This is why like pure evil people. Yeah. Pure evil people. They don't do any introspection. Right. Yeah. Like there, there, there are several types of people. Right. There's uh, this is what we call ghafla, Right. Lack mm. of introspection is what we call ghafla, Yes. Yeah. This, this heedlessness. Yeah. So lack there's, of introspection. There's like there's like um this uh, type of people that just does whatever. And evil know. is very different. Evil is very different. Which is like let's say you take the average Joe. Yeah. Right. He just does whatever the world uh, throws at him, and he just yeah. he's just going through life blindly, not much thought. And whenever he has to do, uh, whenever he does something evil, he does it out of desire, right? Mm-hmm. Like he just doesn't think twice about it. He's yeah. just like, man, I gotta, I gotta take a drink, so he just drinks. We want right? to consider him so evil, so evil, right? We want to consider him evil, he just right. uh, in a heedlessness. Heedlessness, exactly. Sort of a dopey fool type of guy. <laughs> dopey fool, exactly. But if he gets cancer, he might start thinking twice about things. Exactly. If he almost dies, he'll think, start thinking twice. Yeah, about yeah, things. yeah, yeah. But then there's the other type of person who he enjoys evil. Yeah. Like he plans out like serial killer, right? He, yeah. he loves, you know, he loves this adrenaline rush. And he knows it's evil. He doesn't care, right? Yeah. He knows that killing people is not something that's good. Mm-hmm. But he enjoys the thrill of tracking down these people. And people make TV shows about this stuff. I don't understand why. Like I'll yeah. talk about this later on. Um, but then he loves it. He actually likes it. His second order desire yeah. for this desire to kill somebody is actually in agreement, mm. right? So his introspect- introspection doesn't show him the, the good thing to do, the right thing to do. Yeah. So this is the type of person we would consider truly evil. Yeah, right? someone who loves it and enjoys exactly. it. Yeah. And, and let's go back to the addict. The addict, he's doing something wrong. He knows it's wrong, and he feels bad about it. Well, that's I should have mentioned that, is yeah. that the sinner in Islam yeah. is someone who, as uh, Habib Omar uh, mm. describes, he is disgusted before, during, and after. SubhanAllah. I mean, that's beautiful. And it's true. <laughs> Many people have that. They're disgusted with the act before, during, and after. Right? But uh, people are human beings, and they make mistakes. So that's the difference. Exactly. And uh, so, I mean, that just goes to prove the, the point that uh, the special thing about human beings is that we have this power of mm. introspection. Right? When you brought up the animals, one of the things that I brought up as something very different, mm-hmm. and I, I guess this is somewhat related, is the first thing I thought is that he, uh, animals don't have martyrs, mm. oh. right? <laughs> and what is a martyr? Is right. Someone who puts a principle over life itself. And that you cannot say that martyrdom is, a different, is just a different source of pleasure. Mm. Because in order to have a pleasure is predicated upon existence. Now the martyr is putting himself outside of existence, Mm. like a firefighter. On what? On a principle, right? That I gave my vow, I'm gonna save these people's Mm -hmm. lives, right? Uh, So that's a type of thing that, you know, uh, won't exist in the animal kingdom. It it won't. It's something that is, like you said, a higher order of thinking. Exactly, and this is why the the definition of human beings that economists have, that human beings are just animals that a look to fulfill their selfish desires. They will always act selfishly. This yeah. is the definition that economists have, right? Really? And yeah, I mean, you study e- economics in in university. These Muslim kids—that's the root of the problem. Then. It is the root of the problem. Yeah. And and you look at some of these Nobel Prize winners, yeah. right? And these these people that 
that are leading economists, this yeah. is the type of view of, of human beings that they have. Yeah. And they're trying to optimize society to control these types of people. Mm-hmm. Because the economists, I mean, a lot of them, they believe that human beings are intrinsically, I mean, evil, yeah. right? That they're just selfish beings. Yeah. So let's, let's uh, meddle with the nuts and bolts to make sure that everybody gets what they want, but everybody's also safe, Yeah. right? So, uh, but obviously, as we're talking right now, that you know, this is not the this is not the default state of human beings. I mean, we have this introspective voice, and we also have this devotion to uh, moral principles. ideals, principles, right? Yeah. Uh, that go beyond just selfish, yeah. you know, um, selfish things. Mm. Um, so, so that's I think that's adequate to defend, <laughs> to prove that we have free will, and to contradict uh, Sam Harris. Yeah. Um, just to uh, if you want to say anything more on that just topic. a quick yeah. uh, correction to myself mm-hmm. there is a uh, the martyr amongst uh, animals really which are horses and dogs hmm. will die for their masters right? uh, the horse right, when right. he runs into the battle right. it's like he's not like lo- uh, doing he's doing it because he's created to do that yeah. right he'll just go that's one thing the ho- the dog is even more of a martyr hmm. right because the dog he knows who his master is, right. and he's aware of the threat in front of him, and he'll fight to the death. Right? There are certain dogs, yeah. not all dogs. Yeah. Certain dogs, there. If his master is offended, mm. okay, he will either fight to kill the threat or he'll die himself. Mm. And I believe that Allah Taala made the dog do this. Mm. Number one, he's a great uh, ally for human beings in times of need. For example, yeah. if you're homeless, you need to have yeah. a dog. Yeah. Right. First thing you need to get before you get food, get a dog. Mm-hmm. It protects you, right? Yeah. Get a, a German Shepherd or some some type of dog like yeah. that. And if you get one off the street, you get it, you tie it, you make it hungry for a yeah. while. You give it very little food until the dog is like really, you know, woozy, mm-hmm. and then you feed it. Mm-hmm. In the period of time in which you've made the dog hungry, right? Uh, something happens in his biology; his memory erases. Wow. Okay. You give him the food. Right, he looks at you, and he sees the food. You now become the master. Allah. That's how you switch dogs from being one master to another. Right, mm. that's how a dog is converted from one master to another. How, how do you know this? It's through hunger. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get it from the uh, what do you call the the dummy's guide to feeding the, the chickens dogs, or something? Yeah. <laughs> so that's a, so that's the dog and the dog. The, uh, those types of dogs that are made to defend human beings. Yeah. Right. I believe that Allah has made it that way for one of the reasons is that the dog is a, is a type of lowly animal in the sense of his cleanliness, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It's almost as if to say this great virtue, this great wonderful virtue, mm. right, of, uh, of, of self-sacrifice and loyalty, yeah. Allah has put it in an animal that is extremely dirty, mm. right? And then this, this cl- cleanest of animals lacks anything close to that virtue, mm. right? It almost indicates that the... the, the um, Volition of Allah Ta'ala yeah, yeah, To pick yeah. and choose Where attributes go Exactly But to show Look if that dog Which you guys You human beings Give an example of mm. Like are oh, you dirty As a dog right mm. But that dog Has this quality Of loyalty Right You feel like Dirty Yeah If I'm the one who You know We're supposed to be the, A higher species And we don't have That loyalty yeah. And we don't have That uh, uh, mm-hmm. self-sacrifice So that is a correction To myself That uh, the dog uh-huh. Yeah uh, Which is why Allah Ta'ala Mentioned them In Surah yeah. Al-Kahf Over and over Because they really the dog benefited them. Mm. Allah, Allah will not have, um, uh, you know, they Allah Ta'ala has, safe, yeah. yeah, they wouldn't have remained safe. Allah has, Ta'ala has, has, has used animals to benefit people. 
Like right. for example, the Prophet said them the the web and the birds, right? Mm. Many times animals like the whale mm. saved Prophet Yunus Ali Yeah. The dog. All right. So in any event. All right, let's go. SubhanAllah. And just a quick uh the thing you mentioned about uh seeing these opposite qualities. Yeah. Um that's I read a paper and that's actually the same argument that mm-hmm. Imam Maturidi yeah. uses to prove the existence of God. Oh, subhanAllah. That in, in nature we see Opposite qualities gathered in one thing. Subhanallah. And by yeah. nature, two opposites won't be Th- in the same true. place. That's true. It's only some outside force that yeah. uh, puts two opposites together that's to prove true. some. Oh, that's some a, that's beautiful. Yeah. So I mean, the human being is the greatest. Exactly. I mean, the biggest exactly. Uh, brain, weakest body, right, in all of nature. <laughs> right. So if it was just about nature, if the brain took time to develop, yeah, and the body is the house of the brain, that body mm. would have been gone a long time ago right. <laughs> before the brain could develop. If you think about that, right. But the thing about the other thing, other attribute is when people say, uh, when when we when we argue for uh, knowledge of God mm. by saying creation's design, mm. right? That yeah. cre- clearly there's a designer yeah. who has will and knowledge, right? And then they say, well, where's the design when uh, let's say human being is so weak? How's the design? Yeah. That? Well, any time that any creature is critiqued for a lack of an attribute, mm-hmm. right? Allah Taala answers it in another. Another aspect. creation, yeah. For example, uh, rocks and mountains, yeah, they live like for eons, yeah, right? right? For right. for thousands of years. Mm-hmm. If someone says, "Well, uh, look at the rhinoceros," I mean, he's really strong, but it's also ugly. Well, if I wants, Allah wants to create beauty, he'll he's shown us, he proven to us, he can create beauty in <laughs> other animals, right? <laughs> okay. So if anything is critiqued, right, right? right. the uh, perfection is found in some other mm-hmm. creation, mm-hmm. right? Right, so that's one of the things that you can. Uh, whenever someone comes and says, "Well, okay, if God is so perfect, why don't I see a perfect sphere?" Mm. Yeah, you don't see a, see a perfect sphere in the realm of rocks. You do see perfect spheres in other realms. Like certain right. fish have like perfect circles. Certain right. fish, uh, the eyes are perfect. So water perfect. bubbles, water bubbles. Yeah, water bubbles. Right. A lot of things are perfect. <laughs> You're not gonna find the perfection where you want it. Yeah. yeah, yeah right. Yeah. So because he's making you look somewhere else. Yeah. Right? Exactly. He's like, putting the perfection yeah. where he wants. Exactly. He's not exactly. putting the perfection where you want. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like like you look at a master painting and you're like, why is this bit here yeah. uh, not really good? Yeah. Well, the answer is the painter will say, but look at the whole thing. Yeah. It, and it fits perfectly within. Exactly. The, and, and all the imperfections in every creature mm. are perfect imperfections. Perfect from the aspect of uh, function, mm. right? Yeah, yeah. The, the imperfection is there for a reason. Yeah. Like human beings. I mean, like our lifespans. Mm. If our lifespans were like 300 years yeah. and we have 6 billion people on the earth, right? Couldn't destroy everything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so. Uh, we already have problems now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Kesp, is that where we're at? <clears throat> yep. So. Good. We, I think, a uh, quick re- recap of a defensive free will. Mm-hmm. We said that uh, Sam Harris is saying that nature, nurture, this, um, this is determining our free will, mm-hmm. right? That we, it's free will is an illusion. But we said that no, there's something called a you outside of nature and nurture. Um, and the proof of this is we gave the addiction, the addict recovering, and also the hard data of neuroscience tells us that the brain can change. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, and to the worst people in the worst circumstances, right? Sorry, the, the people in the worst circumstances. I, I didn't mean to say that the addicts are the worst people, right? Um, so this is a proof that, you know, human beings have something called a free will. Mm-hmm. Uh, and JP would say, Jordan Peterson, he would say that uh, free will comes from this thing called the soul, the consciousness, mm-hmm. that we have no idea about. Like, we, yeah. we can't even put it under a microscope, mm-hmm. right? So that ends the argument yeah. uh, right there. Um, totally. So I think we're in agreement that 
humans have free will. We have free will. We can move on with our theodicy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Because that second second proof of a theodicy says that the creation of free will in human beings is something that's good. Yeah. Because so much evil comes out of our free will. Uh. Right? So much evil comes out of it. So the obvious question is, uh, why did God create human beings with free will? Right? Mm. So step one of that is, do we even have free will? Well, we just showed we, we confirmed. Yeah. yeah. Now step two is, well, why did God put free will in human beings? Right? Yeah. Now we're going from the naturalistic outlook to a person that believes in God. Now, if you believe in God and you also believe in free will, there's an immediate problem, an immediate problem, which is God is all powerful. Yeah. He controls everything in existence. Uh -huh. Now, what that means is we shouldn't have free will. Mm -hmm. Because if we control something, then this is violating God's power. It right? seems like a contradiction. It seems like a contradiction. And this is exactly where Kasp, where the Asharis came with a solution to this mm -hmm. contradiction to give an explanation of how we can both have free will and also God can be all-powerful. <clears throat> okay, so now we come to the resolution of God's uh, power with human free will. Okay. Now... The way that the Asharis approached this problem is first, they looked at how human beings use their free will. Mm -hmm. And they split it up into three phases. And I mean, they didn't do this in the classical books, but I'm doing it just so that uh, I can communicate it better to the audience. Okay. And there are three general phases in how we use free will. Hmm. Now, the first phase is we're presented with a collection of choices, mm -hmm. right? Collection of alternatives. Okay. And we deliberate over them. Okay. The second phase is we choose one of them. Okay. Mentally, we choose one of them. And then the third phase is uh, we actualize that choice into the real world. We bring it about into the real world. So there are these three general phases of how people use their free will. Presented. Mm -hmm. So uh, I guess it is, are you considering it free will that a person is receiving that information from the world, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And processing it? Um, yes, yes, as well. Yeah. So, so that that would be in the first phase, where uh, where they're presented with a collection of alternatives. Okay, so right. they're presented with something. Is that, I guess, the, I guess it's free will. I mean, like if someone is presented with a fork in the road. Mm -hmm. Exactly. That's what. It, yeah. So that's just really more like absorbing information. Right, and also also um, giving you the options. Right, like yeah. we talked a little bit a while back. Um, about free will being defined as being able to choose from alternatives uh, without force. Right? So the first part of it then is not ne is it necessarily free will? You're just examining the scope. Right, right. So the landscape. Exactly. So what we're trying to do right now is break up uh, the process by which people come to decisions. So this is a precondition the pre of free will. Exactly. Okay. okay. That's that's a better that's a better yeah, precondition. Um, so this there's, there's this precondition of free will as you mentioned yeah. that we're presented with alternatives. Okay. Right. That's step one. Step two is we make a choice. We choose which alternative to point ourselves towards. Good. Right? That's, that's happening in the brain. Exactly. Or in um, yeah, the we, old world would say the heart. But we fine. would say the soul. Right? Soul, yeah. Uh, and uh, there's a reason for this that's coming up. And then finally, step three is we act on that choice and we try to bring it to life in the real world. Okay. Right? Step three, which is part two of free will mm -hmm. so choi the choosing yeah is an act yeah or is a something that you're doing from yeah. from yourself yeah 
the, the first part we said is a precondition. Yeah. Right. Because that's the part where if you can't do that, you're that's like there's majnun, no choice. Right. right. Exactly. So that so that's a, uh, Roman numeral one. And then that you actually act upon it is Roman numeral two. Exactly. Okay. Good. So uh, what the Ashwari's would say is that God has power over um, two of three of these phases where he presents the alternatives to you, mm-hmm. right? He presents the forks in the road to you that he has complete control over. And also that he is responsible for actuating the choice into the real world. Well, just uh, for uh, as a technicality, yeah. an important technicality, he's going to have power over all of them. Right, right. Right. But uh, I understand what you're saying. He's giving you one. He's giving you the second. Mm-hmm. And then your intent, which is a non-material entity, yeah. right, is what you're given. Right. Yeah. And and the, the reason I say that the Ashuris wouldn't say that God creates that is because, again, this is coming up. This is one of the biggest controversies in mm-hmm. the discussion of free will yeah. is do human beings create the choice, right? Do human beings create <coughs> the actual choice? And we're going to get into this in, in detail. Um, but in terms of... <coughs> the choices that are given to us, the, the alternatives that we get to choose from. I want to present a simple example. For example, uh, you're sitting on a, uh, a chair and you're thirsty. And there are two glasses in front of you. There's a glass of water, there's a glass of wine, right? Now, there are some outside circumstances that God comp- has complete control of that has made it possible that there is a glass of water in front of you and there's a glass of wine, Good. right? Now, you choose one of them, mm-hmm. right? You're thirsty. Now, remember, that's the first step. You choose one of them. This is the second step of making the choice. And then you actually reach out your hand to grab the glass of wine. Well, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. Uh, the glass yeah. of water. Um, you reach out your hand, and then you take the glass of water, and then you drink it. Mm-hmm. Now, we would say that that first step, God has complete control of. Mm-hmm. That third step of actually translating mm-hmm. your choice into the real world God has complete control over that as well. Correct. He's the one moving your hand. He's the one keeping all the neurons in your brain the way they are. He's the one that's keeping all the atoms in the glass mm-hmm. as a glass, right? So that when you uh, when you take the glass, it doesn't suddenly evaporate, mm-hmm. right? So, and we have proofs for this. We're not just saying this um, uh, because our theology says so. I mean, a lot of people think that we believe that God is the, the doer of all actions just because the Quran says so, just yeah. because. But actually... This is something that Allah asks us to contemplate. And we should be able to arrive at this through contemplation. Through other right? sources, observation other sources. and logic. Absolutely. Yeah. So now let's, let's tackle the first, uh, first problem, which is the alternatives come from God, right? The alternatives <clears throat> that you get to choose from, they come from God. We said that right at the top of the episode. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, and the, a simple proof of that is, again, as Sam Harris said, mm-hmm. you didn't choose... Uh, um, who you are, where who you're you are, born, where you're born, exactly. And a simple, simple example to illustrate this is: a person came to Imam Ali, radiallahu uh, 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 and that person asked him, um, he asked him a question about qadr, right? How can we have free will, and how can we have qadr, uh, How can God know everything in advance? So Imam Ali said, "Lift your right leg, mm-hmm. right?" And then the man lifted his right leg, and the Imam Ali said, "This is your free will," mm. and then he said. Lift both of your legs at the same time, <laughs> right? Yeah. And the man said, uh, um, I can't do that. Yeah. He said, this is Qadr, yeah. right? Limitations. So, exactly, limitations. So the, the range of choices that the man has with respect to his legs, mm-hmm. this is determined by God, Yeah. right? 
he can only lift one leg at a time. Mm-hmm. He can't lift both legs at the, the same time because yeah. the alternatives come from God. We have no control over that. Yeah. Right? So what about the actualization of the choice? The, the third step, mm-hmm. right? We're leaving the middle one for later because that's, that's the clincher, right? Mm-hmm. So to demonstrate this, the Asharis make a distinction. They, they say, look, when you do an action, there are two things that are happening. There's power to do the action, and there's also the will to do the action. There's an intention to do the action, hmm. right? And they say that because ordinarily when, when we see somebody do an action, we say, okay, uh, they intended it, and they, they made the action, right? If I lift this glass off the table, well, I lifted it. The Asharis say, no, you, there are two things that are going on. Hmm. There's a will to lift it. I want to lift it. Beautiful. And there's also the act of translating that into reality. Beautiful. And the, and the really funny example that uh, Dr. Sherman Jackson uses, he mm. says, three birds are sitting on a wire. Yeah. Three birds decide to fly away. Mm-hmm. How many birds are sitting on the wire? Zero. Three. Three. They only decided. <laughs> exactly. Okay, good. Exactly. They decided to fly away. But they, they decided, didn't, yeah. Yeah, but there's, uh, uh, unknown to you, there's actually a cord that's tying them to the wire. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what you decide. I see. Your decisions have no logical link I see. to the real world. Yeah. I can decide to be a, uh, want be, coffee. Be, yeah, be a woman. <laughs> <laughs> we, need that, we need that belt. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I can decide yeah. to be a woman, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> less controversial example. I can uh. decide... I want coffee right now. Yeah. But I have no power to translate that into reality. Mm-hmm. If the if the coffee shops are closed, that's it. Yeah. Well, I mean if I have a French press, I can get coffee. But yeah. like let's say I'm in the middle of nowhere, I want coffee right now. Yeah. My desire has no logical link to what actually exists. Yeah. Right? So this is a proof for that first part that our alternatives Good. come from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? Yeah. Now this actualization oh sorry, sorry, um, I mm. need to backtrack. This is a proof that um, uh, the actualization of the choice, right, yeah. doesn't come from us, right? Mm-hmm. So, again, just because you choose something doesn't mean you have the power to bring mm-hmm. it about. This is the meaning of yeah, la la quota. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, for example, um, again, God is all powerful because He controls everything that happens in the universe, mm-hmm. including our actions. Right, mm-hmm. so we decide. So let's say I want to drink this glass of water. Yeah, <clears throat> if it was up to him, let's say I decide to drink the glass of water, and I go to reach out for the glass of water. If it was up to him, he could evaporate my hand, right, and I, I don't get to drink, mm-hmm. right. So this shows us. I mean, for example, like in fairy tales, um, you go to a mystical land. There are snakes growing out of trees. Mm-hmm. What does this mean? It means that. Just because you see, okay, leaves grow out of trees. And you think to yourself, okay, this is what should happen, right? Leaves should grow out of trees. But there's no logical link between a tree and leaves. Mm -hmm. You can make a story in your mind where snakes grow out of leaves instead of leaves. uh, leaves. So what we see in the world is actually a choice from God. True. Right? It's a specific choice from God. Mm -hmm. And the fact that we can't change it. Yeah. We can't change it shows us that we don't have any power over those choices. Yeah. Right. So just because I want to have the color of leaves yellow, it's they're not going to change for me. Mm-hmm. I can't do anything to change it. Yeah. Right. So um, this this shows us a, a very powerful proof. And the other thing is, Nursi says 
that you have to the person who does the action they have to know how to do the action mm -hmm. and this is one of the proofs of a famous um, philosopher called Malbranche uh, mm -hmm. who's a French philosopher he was an occasionalist actually one of the only occasionalists in Western history by mm -hmm. the way occasional occasionalism means that God has complete power over everything that's that's what it means yeah Crea um, creates everything at every moment at every yeah. moment right and Malbranche says the person who does an action, the agent that does an action, like for example, me lifting this cup, he should know exactly how to do the action. Mm -hmm. And this is pretty logical if you think about it, right? Here's the, here's the problem. When I go to lift the glass, I don't know how to actually do this action. Mm. And this is like an impulse yeah. that I have. What's actually happening is several neurons, thousands and millions of neurons in my brain are firing. It's sending a signal, an electric signal down my arm and then my muscles and my atoms and my cells are all aligning yeah. right to my wish right mm -hmm. but i have no idea how any of this is happening yeah right if i wanted you know if i actually knew how this was happening mm -hmm. there's an amazing movie called i forgot the name but anyway if i knew how this was happening i could change my arm right mm -hmm. if i knew how to rearrange the atoms yeah. right i could change my arm i could say i will my arm to be a sword yeah. Suddenly, my arm turns into a sword. Yeah. If I knew exactly how all of this was working, if I had complete power over it, I could do that. Yeah. Because what would have to happen? Just atoms rearrange themselves, right? Yeah. I mean, that's that's all it is, right? So, the fact that we don't have full knowledge of how our entire bodies work, the mm. fact that the fact that <laughs> we can't, like, the fact that we have no control over over the atoms in our arms, yeah, and we have no idea how to do that, shows us that I mean. Somebody's doing it for us. Every time I uh, talk to an engineer, yeah, I ask them, and the mechanical engineers are better off than others. Yeah, especially when I see an electrical engineer, IT guys, I ask them very simple questions about the internet, mm. right, or about cell phones. Yeah, and oftentimes they can't answer. Like for example, uh, the phone in front of us is a hunk, chunk, hunk of plastic and metal and copper. Yeah, right. But I touch certain buttons on a mm. screen. And you get a picture or a message, yeah. right? What exactly is going on in that less than a second, mm. right? What is going on? Yeah. Explain to me how that copper, right? And human beings do stuff by trial and error. Yeah. And it works. And we build upon the fact that it works, right? Mm -hmm. Not necessarily knowing exactly what, it, what happened. Perfect example is yeah. that you're using a computer right now. Yeah. We, you're, you're moving around files. Yeah. You dragged an <coughs> audio clip and you put it into the program called... Uh, uh, whatever garage band right yeah now is that really what's happening yeah, like in in reality is that really what's happening yeah, that there's just a an interface exactly yeah. what's actually happening is that there's electricity turning on and off real uh, very very fast yeah and it's changing little colored dots on your screen yeah so it gives you the illusion that there's a program called GarageBand and you're dragging Drag, stuff yeah. in, but there's no such thing, right? Yeah. So, so when we think about, oh, the ball smashed the window, right? Yeah. Or we see, oh, a ball hits a window. And they're like, oh, the ball caused the window to smash. Yeah. And this is because of your habit, right? You don't, you don't have any idea what's actually going on underneath. Yeah. And this is what Nursi says. Nursi says that imagine a person is looking at a mountain range mm -hmm. way far away in the distance. To that person, the mountain range looks as if it's connected to the sky. Yeah. Right? That there's no separation between mm -hmm. the mountain range and the sky. But as you get closer, you see there's like a huge, huge separation. Huge separation. And, and this is what Nursi uh, says about people that just say, oh, it just happens. Right? Yeah. You know, my arm moves. This is the view of science, right? 
the view of the scientists. Yeah. My arm moves because it just happens, right? Uh, the strong force, the weak force, what keeps the atoms together in my arm? The strong and the weak force, right? Mm. What is that? They're just names that you yeah. read. There's a verse in the Quran. Um, uh, you worship. Um, I forget the Arabic. Oh, yeah, illa asma samaytumuha. And this is exactly this is the a, a proof that Nursi uses to you know yeah. demonstrate this point that you just just because you put a name to to yeah. something doesn't yeah. mean you explained it. Like gravity, True. right? Gravity. Uh, things fall down. Yeah, we gave it a name. That's it. <laughs> right. Yeah. And we analyze how the how that thing works. Yeah. Like, okay, when it falls down, what are the rules that it obeys? But why? We have no clue. We have no clue. Who does it? Yeah. We have no clue. Yeah. The only response of scientists is, well, it just happens, right? It just happens. But Nursi is telling us, no, you're you're missing a crucial point. Yeah. It doesn't just happen, mm. right? Like if you saw a three-year-old, like let's say a car stuck in the snow, mm. and you saw a three-year-old go go to the back of the car, and then he pushed the car, and the car starts flying off into the highway. Yeah. You'll be like, what just happened? Yeah. Right? Because the three-year-old is not, cannot be a real cause yeah. for the car's movement. For that effect. Until, uh, unless he's like a uh, baby Superman. Like, yeah. it just can't be possible. Same way Nursi's saying that when you see the seed grow from the ground into a huge tree. Yeah. There is no way that water from the sky is responsible for that. Mm-hmm. There's no way that sunlight is responsible for that. There's no way that, because Nursi says... The water would need to know. The atoms in the water would need to know how to form a tree. Mm-hmm. The atoms of the the sunlight would need to know how to form. That's like matter creating it from nothing, basically. Yeah, yeah. And and uh, embryology is the same thing. Mm-hmm. What happens inside of a pregnant woman's stomach? Yeah, I mean the, the because because nothing can happen without a blueprint, right? For yeah. for example, a very good example that I always use is an orchestra, mm-hmm. right? An individual member of an orchestra is a, is master at their instrument. So mm. let's say the cello, let's say the violin, the flute, right, the drums. But and this is like the atom. The mm. analogy is each atom is very good at what it does, yeah. right? But if you ask anybody, can let's say let's take uh, three cello players, let's take three violinists, let's take three drummers, put them in a room. Now play something. Mm. Do you think it's going to be coherent? They're going to they're need the guy in the middle. Exactly. Yeah. They're going to need the conductor. Yeah. Because the conductor puts the structure onto these people. Yeah. And the same thing. There are, there are billions and billions of atoms mm-hmm. all across the universe. They're all connected to each other, right? And you're telling me that <laughs> they just, just randomly create structures. Yeah. Right? This is why evolution, I mean, belief in evolution is something very... Uh, like if you believe, I think it's absurd. If <laughs> if if you believe that design for, itself, I mean, yeah, just, exactly. Uh, if you're if you're negating that there's design, that's an mm-hmm. absurdity. If you're claiming that design came out of a la- uh, an entity that is not mm-hmm. alive, yeah. and lacks knowledge, yeah, right, and uh, lacks will, mm-hmm. right, and lacks volition, it's also absurd. Yeah, I mean, it goes back to that point again. Um, thank you for bringing that up. That uh, design always has to come. From something with life yeah it has to this is i mean if you deny this you're denying common sense that's what it is that's why i said right? it, it's absurdity it, yeah. it, because it it is absurd and yeah. and the design that we see in the now people will say well you're you're biased you're a human being you you're just putting design everywhere you see it now my question is but i can't stop doing it like i can't when i when i do one plus one equals two you can't yeah. say oh you're biased yeah. you're a human being 
So every time you do one plus one, it equals two. It actually should be three. Well, the critique itself, there's design and the grammar of the sentence of the critique itself, right? <laughs> right, right <laughs> I mean, exactly. There, yeah. You can't escape it. It's like right. oxygen. It's like it's everywhere. It's in yourself. Yeah, exactly. Right? The fact that you were able to process an argument, dislike it, mm-hmm. present a refutation Absolutely. is design. Absolutely. Right? And it, and it's you, order. It's yeah. functioned. And and the grammar looks good. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, the The... You know, the, the uh, elocution is good. Yeah. All that itself is design. Mm-hmm. So you can't even express your distaste for design exactly. without design. Without, exactly. Yeah. That's perfect. Uh, so, I mean, this, this uh, <laughs> what do you call this? Self-knowledge, yeah. right? That's telling us that the world is designed. This is what leads us to the idea that God is the one who's yeah. doing everything, right? Yeah. And this is what the Quran is constantly asking us to do. Yeah. Looking at looking at very um, sort of mundane things like just rain falling from the sky, a tree growing, yeah. and asking us to you know really go? challenge challenging us. Mm-hmm. How does this happen? Yeah. And you know the scientists uh, in my arrogant uh, college days, mm-hmm. just like oh photosynthesis, yeah. you know this and that. But then it's just middlemen. It's just exactly there's just yeah. words. And I mean I remember my friend, um, my Turkish friend Yusuf. Um, uh, Ustad Yusuf, I call him. Um, when I first went to his halakha, that's exactly what he did. He's like, how do you think the tree, um, the, the seed grows into a tree? Yeah. And then I started explaining all the biology behind it. And then he keeps pushing me. He's like, okay, how, how do you think photosynthesis does what it does? Yeah. And then I get stuck. Yeah. I get stuck. I can't. Because they're just names to stop thought. They're middlemen, yeah. They're middlemen, and exactly. And uh, the idea of... Uh, so, so this idea, number two, I had, mm-hmm. I had a thought in my head, uh, but it skipped me. But so this idea, which is the third thing, mm-hmm. we got that down. Yeah. So just to, just to recalibrate, we got the, pre- the, the, fir- the first stage, which we call the precondition, yeah. is the presentation of the, all the information around us, and we absorb yeah. it. The second one is the choice, which we haven't talked about yet. Yeah. The third one being the action upon the choice, which mm-hmm. we have said that actions themselves causes do not, actions themselves do not if, uh, effect change yeah. and in fact every change which appears to us as an effect mm-hmm. is in fact a creation from Allah it's Ta'ala from and he's only created patterns for yeah. us to live sanely exactly. right exactly. and to know how to manipulate them and mm-hmm. and live like that but uh, this middle one is up for the discussion now it's up for the discussion and before we uh, get there just yeah. a very quick uh, uh, recap of how God creates, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, this is this is speculation to a degree, um, but there's good arguments behind it. If you're seeing a movie, and you're you're looking at the movie, you're thinking, what is your mind thinking? You're thinking that the people in the movie are actually moving, they're hitting things, they're jumping around, action, right? But in reality, what's happening? The movie's made up of thousands and thousands of photos. Yeah. Still photos. Yeah. And every second, one photo is being flashed in front of you, mm-hmm. and then another photo is coming in front of you. Mm-hmm. So it gives the illusion that people are moving. Yeah. Right? Now, the Asharis, this is how they view creation. Mm-hmm. That all of creation is created instantaneously in one moment. Mm-hmm. And then the next, so for example, if I'm picking up this glass, there's one moment of creation where my hand touches the glass. Immediately the next time, there's another moment of creation where it's mm. up a little, you know, up a little further. And another moment of creation, so on and so forth, right? Yeah. And this is why God has power over everything because mm. 
it's not like you know uh, when we think of creating we mm -hmm. think of like you know the dude in the car shop he's ripping out things and he's putting things together he's working on things one by one yeah this is not how god creates right god is not bound in time when he creates he creates the entire thing yeah this is what's so like mind-blowing about occasionalism it's yeah. it's asserting that everything in existence comes into being goes out comes into being goes out comes in, like a, the like the frames of a movie the right? uh, short expression for that yeah. is umurun yubdiha wa la yabtadiha which means that, that a, a sheikh uh, was once giving a class in which uh, he came upon the ayah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Every day he's in an he's uh, uh, conducting an affair. So the sheikh, so a man asked, "What is the meaning of this ayah?" So the sheikh could not answer. He said, "Give me a day." He came back and he again could not answer. So third day, uh, he saw Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam in a dream, mm. in which Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam told him, "Answer by saying umurun yubdiha matters that he manifests." But does not begin. Mm. Because if he had began them, that means he's in time. That means he's part of the universe, right? In which Allah is the creator of the universe, so he is not part of it and inside mm. of it. Yeah. Right? Um, neither attached to it nor distant from it. Mm. So there are matters that, he cho that, are pre that are created already that he chooses to manifest at this moment. Mm. Right? So that's the uh, then that's an accepted position uh, uh, in aqidah. Matters that he manifests but does not begin. Mm. In other words, so that no one should think that okay, today is what Wednesday that Allah has not yet created Thursday. Exactly. Right. 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 So then he's busy going to create Thursday, mm -hmm. and he's going to create Thursday in China and create in Australia. <laughs> no, it doesn't work like that. It all happens instantaneously, yeah. all at once. So that also someone does not think that Allah Taala says so that li'alam uh, Allah. So that Allah knows who does good and who does evil, yeah. as if He doesn't know. So, what is the value of that meaning? It means so that so that you know and you have evidence against yourself, mm. right? Yeah. If you're if it's evil, you yeah. bring your evidence from yourself, mm. and if it's good, so that you taste the reward of of of, of, of obedience and and to discover mm. Allah's justice and His generosity, yeah. uh, and also the issue of how it is that the Prophet ﷺ was shown heaven and hell. Right. Right. And people in hell. But Qiyamah hasn't happened yet. I, I didn't think of that. Right. right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's like Umur that he had manifest to his Prophet is already in existence. He chose to manifest certain things so the Prophet can know what's mm. happening. Right. Yeah. And this is also how the Prophet in the hadith in Muslim Imam Ahmad stated that Allah Ta'ala gave him the knowledge of the heavens and the earth. Mm. In the famous hadith of the uh, uh, dispute of the highest angels. Uh, Prophet ﷺ was asked by Allah Ta'ala What do the highest angels dispute about And he وسلم, said I have no knowledge And then Allah asked him a second time And a third time Then he said This was a dream Then he said I felt a coolness on my back mm -hmm. Right And then the knowledge of the heavens and the earth Entered inside of me oh. Right And why that uh, is the case Because Allah Ta'ala has uh, the, the creation is created already mm. It's just choose, He chooses what to manifest when mm. okay. and, and subhanAllah See, this is the perks of doing a podcast with Dr. Shadi. It's a free Akira class. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, and uh, one of the things you bring up is the problem of predestination, mm -hmm. right? How can we have free will? Yeah. And that's the next thing we're going to talk about, inshallah. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so I think uh, we've covered so far that God actualizes our choices. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're still not convinced by that, um, I mean, this is a very long topic that requires a lot of um, argumentation. Mm -hmm. But just so you know, 
yes, I do believe in science. You know, I am a type of scientist, right? I'm not denying science, but I'm saying I'm questioning the underlying foundation of science. Very right? important yeah. distinction to make here is that uh, when we talk about occasionalism, mm -hmm. we talk about it as uh, there's a di di difference between belief in what occurs mm. and liability, right? And responsibility, taklif. Yeah. So from the aspect of taklif, mm. right? From the aspect of taklif, we're... Um, we the, the consideration is upon the the cause and effect, right? Mm -hmm. Why? So that no one can take this and then say, wait a second, okay, if you all say that Allah creates every moment, then in, I take your cup and I throw it onto the ground, mm -hmm. right? And I say Allah created that moment. Mm -hmm. I don't have to buy you another cup, right? Right. right. So so when it comes to action and legality, mm -hmm. right? Then and law, cause and effect is in consideration. Right. Right. Exactly. And when we talk about theology, though, mm -hmm. right, uh, th then we talk about what you just said, occasionalism. Yeah. So this exactly. is a, this is an important distinction. Mm -hmm. And occasional. And the thing is that those two ideas that you just mentioned yes. seem contradictory and seem like, oh, we just have to believe it on faith. Mm -hmm. But they can be resolved. And this is what we're going to talk about right now, which is the creation of our choice. Choice. Right? Yeah. Because if Allah is also creating our choice, yeah. then it would seem it would seem that Allah's the one doing what mm -hmm. we're doing, yeah. right? And I mean, this is this is the this is what's missing from uh, yeah. Go ahead. So in the uh, so the the way to bring the two together is yeah. that uh, in terms of what I just said about legality and law is that the law judges your intent mm -hmm. and the the action is a reflection of your intent. Right. 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 So you're not judged for merely the act yeah right if he can even still say yes the act is from allah yeah however you're penalized on your intent exactly and your intent is quantified mm -hmm. right the evilness of it is quantified or the wrong of it the guilt of it is quantified by the the size of the effect exactly so the effect of this glass being dropped mm -hmm. right yes okay we can believe that this is act created for by allah ta'ala from pre-eternity but um you intended it Right. right, and mm -hmm. the evilness of your intent is quantified mm -hmm. by the cost of the glass. Right, so you're paying back the cost of the glass. And and this assumes that the intent is does really belong to you, mm -hmm. right? Because if God is also doing the intending, then I'm not <laughs> guilty in anything. Then there's no right. heaven and hell, no reward and punishment. And, and here's the real clincher. Yeah, if God is also doing the intention, mm -hmm. then that means you're God. True. <laughs> right and good. and and this is the the great fault yeah. of the uh, what, what we call the antinomian sufis right mm. that that believe that everything is god Hulul. right yeah. Hulul. and also the the hindus mm. this is exactly the argument of the hindus that there could not be in existence yeah. other than god mm -hmm. even your choices they're, they're from god that yeah. they're a reflection of the of the uh, of the eternal um, indescribable reality right yeah so so I mean, this is this is where we go wrong, and here's why we go wrong with that. Mm. And Nursi tells us why. Because when we approach these types of topics at the limits of theology, right? Nursi, I mean, Qadr, the belief in Qadr is uh, in the Hadith Jibril. It's at the last. Mm. Uh, it's the last yeah. in the order, right? Yeah. It's uh, the Prophet is trying to show us, according to Nursi, the limits of theology, uh. right? This is where things start becoming fuzzy, yeah. where our our minds, our logic, is just not able to grasp it, yeah. right? And that's why Nursi also puts uh, the discussion of Qadr and free will towards the end of his work, mm. right? The words. He puts it in the 26th word, mm. which is all the way at the end. And he says that the belief in free will and the belief in Qadr 
are like tools, right? You're not, you shouldn't engage in theological speculation over them. They're tools. Imam yeah, Haddad says similar, exactly. same thing. He said, the more you ponder it, the more you get confused. Exactly. And, and he's, uh, Nursi says that the free will is a tool for what? For claiming moral responsibility. Qadr is a tool for what? To remove arrogance. Because if, if, uh, if something good that you did is, um, is already determined by Allah, yeah. then you have no right to claim it, right? So Qadr is also a great tool to dispel grief. Exactly. From right. accidents that happened in the past. Right. Yeah. And, and these, these beliefs are what a Muslim believes after they've gone through the first few stages of Iman, yeah. right? And, and the other thing is, we get into trouble asking this question of does God create our intent is because we're trying to see from God's mind. Yeah. You know, and this is one of the faults that um, a lot of theology falls into, especially you'll see this in Christian theology too, that the theologian wants to go into God's mind and then see the world as he sees it. Mm. That's what he wants to do. Mm. Just like you know, a person who's writing a biography, yeah. and he's like, I need to get into this person's mind. Or yeah. an actor, right? Uh, who, uh, let's say an actor's playing Abraham Lincoln. So you know, he's like, I, I need to get into Abe, Abe Lincoln's mind so that whatever I do, it's like Abe Lincoln's doing it, yeah. right? This is how the theologian tries to sort of work his way backward and explain the world oh. by getting into God's mind. And Nursi says, this is impossible. Yeah. This is, I mean, there's nothing more impossible than this because mm. there's such a huge epistemic distance between yeah. the human mind and God's mind. I mean, look, if you have a four-year-old child and you're playing chess huh. and the four-year-old child, let's say you're playing chess with your wife mm. and the four-year-old child is just watching both of you. You're just like, what are you guys doing? Yeah. You're just moving pieces around. Yeah. And he has no capacity to understand what you're doing on the board. The limits, yeah. So, <laughs> so this is the epistemic distance between a four-year-old and you. Yeah. How much of a yeah. distance is there mm -hmm. between you and God, yeah. right? So Nursi says, don't look at it that way. Work your way backwards. Mm. He says, look, you got convinced that, okay, this cup that I see in front of me, this can't be God, right? Mm. La ilaha illallah. The, the world it can't be God the universe it can't be God mm. anything created can't be God so you look inside yourself and you say okay this thing that's intending this free will that I have well if God is doing it then the free then I'm God right but the free will can't be God yeah so it has to be other than God mm -hmm. right and this is this is where we stop can you also uh, one of the first things that came to my mind yeah. is Intent is a non-thing. <laughs> you're, you're, you're two steps ahead of me, Shane. I'm, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Um, uh, yeah, exactly. Intent, yeah. and this is exactly how the um, the late Asharis they they explained this. Uh, the famous Ottoman Ashari Sheikh um, uh, Sadr Sharia. Mm. He says that if you look at it, choice is not. It's on a different category of existence. Mm. It's not something like a cup. Yeah. It's not something like a tree. Mm. Right. God has like when you choose something yeah. you're not bringing into existence anything mm -hmm. right every possible fork in the road has already been like the power to bring those about God has already done it yeah like, like for example uh, if I have a glass of wine if I have a glass of water right I choose to go for the glass of water but if I had gone for the glass of wine God would have created that action anyway correct right yeah. so when I choose I'm not creating anything new Mm -hmm. I'm just choosing a path that God that already exists. Already exists, exactly. Yes. So, so when I make a choice, all I'm doing is it's like a barometer. It's right? like a maze. It's like yeah, yeah, good. Yeah. yeah so, 
um, a maze, like where you're choosing a, a fork in the road, right? Both of the forks exist, yeah. right? You're just actualizing, you're just choosing uh, um, where to put God's power. Right? Really, life is like a maze which begins with a, a single dot, mm. and then this maze of life goes on for as many years as you live. Yeah. You're going to move. You have to exactly. move because time is moving you. Mm-hmm. So this, this dot is moving by itself. Yeah. You can only direct exactly. up, down, left, exactly. right. And then it's going to end up in two spectrums. Right. One of the highest perfection of paradise. Mm-hmm. That, uh, then it meets at the middle, which is yeah. the lowest level of paradise. Yeah. Immediately after that is, uh, 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 is the lowest level, level of hell, hell. And it goes all the way over to the yeah. highest level of hell. Right, the, or the worst level of hell. Exactly. And so you're going to end up in one of those mm-hmm. spots. Exactly. Right? And that, that your dot is moving. Yeah. And it stops, right? When Allah wills, you never know when it's exactly. going to stop. That's your death. I mean, and, right? and that's, that's where our free will operates, right? Yeah. So we can still preserve free will by saying that, okay, it's on a different category of existence. Yeah. God's not really creating it because it's not a thing, yeah. right? It's just a relational, mm-hmm. uh, it's, a, it's just a relationship. For example, if I say these headphones are on the left of the cup, right? Is left an actual thing? No. Left's not an actual thing. It's, yeah. it's, it comes out of a relationship, right? Mm-hmm. Same thing with free will. Yeah. Um, I'm not, when I, choose a, like when I choose a fork in the road, I'm not creating a fork in the road, mm-hmm. right? That's God's true. the one who's doing that, yes. right? So this is how, I mean, I think this is just brilliant, right? Yeah. From, the, from the Asharis um, and the Maturidis who mm-hmm. uh, believe this, that a free will exists and human beings uh, and God's power is not linked to it, right? Yeah. Just like we say God's power is not linked to impossibilities, mm-hmm. right? The same thing with free will is that sense. Or it's, we should say his um, his compulsion. His compulsion, right. Yeah. Okay, so uh, I think that's a better way of putting it because, yeah. again, we define free will as um, choosing between alternatives without compulsion, yeah. right? So And the, yeah. the, the just as a technicality, the idea of Allah's power over free will, mm-hmm. does that exist from the aspect that you're capable, uh, he gave you the preconditions to have free will, period. In other words, he did not make you insane. Right, right. Right, And he did not make you a rock or an animal. Right. uh, And he gave you the, so that's his power over your free will, Mm -hmm. right? But he has not compelled. He's not compelled. Your choice of free will. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, and uh, so now Mm -hmm. we move on to, I mean, again, I just want uh, our uh, listeners to appreciate how awesome that resolution is. That right? is amazing. Yeah, uh, it is amazing. So, I mean, this is, this is why I can't not yeah. be an Ashari, right? <laughs> it doesn't matter how, you know, how much... I mean, these scholars were amazing. <laughs> I mean, amazing. Yeah. So, um, now the, the obvious uh, question that we have now, so yeah. we, des- we described all three steps, right? Uh, alternatives, uh, you choose, and then uh, God brings those choices into yeah. uh, reality. And, my, I had a yeah. Hindu professor, sorry to cut you off, you yeah, just sure. remind me of one of my favorite professors actually in Washington, D.C., mm. was Hindu philosopher, right? Mm. And he, we studied the awesomest debates. And he used to always say, never underestimate the ulama, right? Because the Maturidi scholars had intense debates with the Hindu philosophers. Oh, of course. Right? Yeah. And I'm telling you, I went into this thing, what is Hindu philosophy? I'm telling you, this was one of the most, uh, you know, intellectually satisfying, like, it was almost like a sport, mm-hmm. right? Of how awesome these two behemoth thinkers went at it, yeah, right? Yeah. And he actually maintained that the ulama, he called them the ulama, right? The ulama never got pinned. 
Mm. He said that, like in a wrestling reference, he said the uh, ulama they never get pinned, right? <laughs> How can they? I mean, yeah. I mean this this idea of um, this idea of the uh, the will not being a created thing. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, expressed as early as Imam Maturidi himself in his Kitab Tawheed, mm, and this is like. I don't know, like what uh, you know the birth and death dates better yeah. than I do. I can't remember dates, but this is like it's not a compelled thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But but the thing, thing, but the thing is like this idea. Yeah. It doesn't even exist in um, Western philosophy. Mm. I mean, even if it does exist, I haven't come across it. Yeah. But this resolution of free will is is something pretty cool. Yeah, uh, in that's my amazing. Um, so the so the next question is again you brought it up earlier. Mm. God knows everything that's ever going to happen. Yeah. So isn't this an impediment for free will? Mm. So divine knowledge. Divine knowledge, exactly. So how do we get out of this one? Mm. Now the way we get out of this one is if I know something that you're gonna do before you do it. So let's say you're gonna pick up that glass, and mm -hmm. I knew it. Then it would seem to be problematic, right? But here's the thing: God's not in time. His knowledge of your actions isn't prior to you committing them. It's not after you committed them, right? It's at the moment that you create them. Mm -hmm. Because he's not in time. Yeah. He's, he's in the ever-present now. He's always in the now, mm -hmm. right? So, uh, so his knowledge is not as problematic as you would think for, yeah. for, our, for our choices. And the other thing is, remember, the key definition for free will is that you're able to choose between choices, between alternatives, without force. Mm -hmm. And uh, knowing uh, that somebody's going to do something in the future does not force that person to do it. There's another element to it. Yeah. Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, as soon as a ruh dies, yeah. it goes right up to the throne of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala mm. and sees its place in heaven and its place in hell. Mm. In other words, if I had gotten a 100 on the test of life, that's yeah. my place. And all the way if I had gotten the worst possible uh uh, choices yeah. uh, done the worst, made the worst possible decisions, is my place in hell. Mm. So it is wrong for a person to imagine that Allah Taala's knowledge of my life, as in that's the only trajectory that was possible. Yeah. Rather, all of the trajectories of your possible exactly. choices exactly. were created and right. exist. You chose right. this one, yeah. right? So when it comes to well, if I if Allah knew I was going to choose, it. no, He also knew that you could have chosen everything else. Right, right. You're the one who chose. And this. if you had chosen something else, it's already I'll, there. God's yeah. God's power will be directed towards that. Yeah. Just like uh, so, God's knowledge. I mean, William Lane Craig describes this uh, really nicely. He says it's like a barometer. Yeah. Right. The barometer doesn't cause the weather. Yeah. The barometer's keeping track of the weather. Mm -hmm. So when God has a knowledge of okay, uh, my slave X is going to do this action, mm -hmm. He doesn't. In His knowledge, it's not like. I am forcing my slave to do this action. Mm. It, rather, it's like using my my slave's free will. Mm -hmm. He's going to do this action. Yeah. Right. So it's a it's a descriptive knowledge. It's not a it's not a compelling knowledge. Compelling knowledge, exactly. Yeah. So um, I think that's that's the best way to resolve this um, predestination paradox, yeah. right? You know all this yeah. theology, Subhanallah. If someone says, "Well, where is this? Uh, you're all bringing this stuff up, and we can't find the really." Yeah. In, in theology is a lot like language. Mm. Right. If you look at language, there's an origin of language, and then words are create yeah. come up in a language. Almost like a a spring of water comes up, right? But then that spring sp splashes farther than yeah. its source, yeah. right? 
theology is very similar because someone might be saying, well, where are all these ideas in the hadith, right? Where mm. no, the hadith is like the uh, the the Quran and hadith are yeah. like the sources of the spring. Yeah, exactly. right. The tensions of life and the questions, right, squeeze the spring. Mm-hmm. And when you squeeze a hose, when you cover a hose, right, mm-hmm. the water comes out in all different directions. Yeah, theology is those different those those directions. So oh, the wow. the source is the the Quran and hadith yeah, and the revelation, yeah. right? It's just when context and questions squeeze the hose yeah. or turn it to push it, mm. redirect it, then you're forced. Just like the water is forced to go in or to the left or to the right yeah. instead of just naturally up. Yeah. So likewise theology uh, and the and all of what we're saying here mm. has come about in the same way is yeah. that the sources is one but questions force the ulama to use that same water right to answer those questions and that's why the when people say well, what does it mean Ashari theology why not just be a, uh, on the path of the prophet Quran peace be upon her. yeah <laughs> so the answer is it is Quran and Sunnah yeah. but questions challenges yeah. have redirected mm. the uh, efforts of the ulama yeah. using that same source they came up with these solutions these that are in complete consistency yeah uh, with, with with the sources with the sources so and that's why yeah. if, if that question came up to any listener that's the answer yeah and I mean it's good that you mentioned that because yeah. I was going to mention this example we find this entire discussion on free will mm-hmm. and predestination encompassed in something that Umar did right yeah. uh, there's a plague in a city yeah and I can't remember the companion I think it's Abu Dhar mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, and Umar and this companion was in that city so Umar, he finds out there's a plague. Mm, so I think it was Talha. Talha, Talha okay. Yeah. So um, Umar is leaving the city. No, no, no. What was it saying? No, no, it was saying Talha. It was someone else. Yeah. So, uh, so this companion, Umar's there, and he's he's uh, he's giving orders. Everybody leave the city, right? There's yeah. a plague that started. They just entered the city. Everyone let's leave. let's leave. And then this companion is saying, "Are you fleeing from the decree of Allah?" Yeah. And the Umar radiallahu anh says, why can't you see? Yeah. I'm going from the decree of Allah to the decree of <laughs> Allah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. so the companions, I mean, the thing about us is that, I mean, the reason why the companions are so lofty, right? Yeah. Is everything that we're discussing here, they understood it intuitively. Yeah. They didn't need fancy theology to understand it. Yeah. They understood it at the moment because their knowledge wasn't from books. It was from the greatest teacher, yeah. sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Sayyidina Omar has a funnier yeah. one in which a man... Um, had committed some crime, yeah. and said, Omar says lashes, right? Yeah, get him, get him the belt. Yeah. So a man came with a big, thick piece of leather to give him the guy, the man yeah. the lashes, right? And then the man said, uh, uh, Omar, my doing this was the qadr of Allah, right? <laughs> Are you punish me on the qadr of Allah? He said, my lashing you is also the qadr of Allah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So yeah. it, you know, there's um, this knowledge of God uh, mm. of our choices. It shouldn't be yeah. an impediment for free will. I mean, again, the Muslims, the Ashris, Maturis, all the Sunni theologians, even Ibn Taymiyyah himself, yeah. rahimahullah, right. um, they maintain that human beings are not forced, yeah. right? <laughs> now, Ibn Taymiyyah, rahimahullah, is not very helpful here because he says that our choices are created by God, right? The, he straight up admits this. He says our choices are created by God, but we have free will because we feel that they're from us, Right? Really? Now, I mean, I can't accept this out for obvious reasons, mm-hmm. right? But again, he the point is he's still maintaining that we can have free will. Mm-hmm. The the just because Allah knows our choices, yeah. and just because Allah has power over all things, doesn't contradict the fact that we have free will, right? 
And so now we come to the conclusion of this free will section mm -hmm. because uh, we've proven that free will, the concept of free will is not inconsistent with the existence of a God. Mm -hmm. And it also exists in reality in human beings, mm -hmm. right? Now the big question is, why did God create free will? Mm -hmm. Like, what's the good behind free mm -hmm. will? Mm 